guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, yeah. bye. Well, now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Yeah. Oh, good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. <laughs> I'm not waking up at the butt crack of dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here for a second. And now, a word from Saltside Jess. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our sponsors. No, like, check out our sponsors. Check out our sponsors. Hey, bro staff. Today, the guys are joined by Derek Brundle and That Bass Fishing Dude to discuss favorite rod and reel setups, finding fish in new waters, and 2021 fishing goals. Ladies and gentlemen of podcast land, this is season two of the Paddler's Playbook. And on this episode, we are going to do it milk crate confession style. You guys have told us that this is one of your favorite episode types so we are going to hit it hard we got a east coast fisherman joining us we've got a north texas fisherman joining us both of them guys fish for them green things called bass them green things called bass i'm gonna start fishing bass chris i think you should man i think your thumb is missing some scrapes i need i need to i need to catch some bass they're right here in my backyard um, bass tournaments are going crazy. There's actually one coming up in Conroe. I want to fish that. So I have about two months to become a tournament winning bass angler. So I'm hoping some of this conversation is going to help me. I know our last episode with Drew Gregory, that's helped me a little bit. We've, we've had a good response to that episode, but man, I'm looking for all the bass help I can get. Do you have any advice for me? Any bass advice? Fish more. Fish more. Fish more and fish in a lake, not in saltwater. Yeah, you need to get out there, I suppose, and start patterning, patterning fish. Now, I wouldn't know the first thing about patterning fish in freshwater. Um, you know, this non-tidal bodies of water, so um, their their habitats and their their uh, intuitions as far as feeding goes i don't know about it man of course we've been able to listen to a lot of these bass fishermen lately and just getting off of this conversation with uh derek and brandon um i think uh maybe maybe i know a little bit more because of course i didn't know before that 16 ounce lures were a real thing so at, that least, is, I, at least i know that 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 is a thing and what you guys are about to listen to, it, like I said, the Milk Crate Confessions, another thing that Derek talks about is he's talking about throwing something different in front of those bass to get them to, to really start biting. You think a popping cork and some gulp may may entice some bass? I mean, it's going to be something different. They've never seen bucks. it before, probably. I got, I got 10 bucks for the first person that goes and catches a bass on popping cork and gulp. Dude, I bet you I can catch one on a gulp. I got 10 you, bucks for you if you, well, go up, of course, but popping cork with a shrimp. You better believe how, how cheap I am that if I'm going out there bass fishing, 
I'm throwing those gulp paddle tails that I have about uh, four or five jugs back there, man. I'm you I'm throwing those suckers. Nice I, I'm just gonna, profile. Yeah, it's a jerk bait, right? I don't have to call it a paddle tail on a jig head no more. I just call it a jerk bait, and then it'll start catching bass. That's right. <laughs> it'll start catching bass but i hope to see you guys out here uh some of these tournaments tournament season is kicking off if you want to represent the show during tournament season we have the stickers for sale hit us up if you want some bro staff stickers we have the bro staff tumblers if you want a paddler's playbook bro staff tumbler hit us up with that if you want to get out there and really represent throw a sticker on your kayak throw a sticker on your truck hit up our facebook our instagram with you know how many you want what you want i will get those in the mail as soon as i can now i gotta correct you drew look man stickers are something that five-year-olds put on their bedroom doors these decals. are decals. Decals. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe that's why that maybe that's why they're not moving off the shelf like hotcakes because I'm calling them stickers. There you go. Yeah. We have bro staff decals, decals. that will add <laughs> five horsepower to your kayak and twenty-five horsepower to your truck. Unless and it's a four, and then you don't gallon. Yeah, increase your miles per gallon. By uh, what like two point three? I think was what it added to to my four two point three. But I had a I had a lot of fun with this episode. We had uh, more than one pro tips. Uh, I hope you guys can make it through. It's a little bit of a longer episode, but there's a lot of good information in there. I hope you guys enjoyed the new intro that we're doing. Like I said, we're we're trying some new things. Twenty twenty one. We're gonna be out at the fishing show coming up. It's the Got Fish Expo. That's going to be January 28th, 28th, 29th, and 30th, and I believe the 31st, maybe. I think we're but only anyway. heading out there one day, though. Yeah, but I think we're only going to be out there on Saturday. But um, look for our live content on Facebook, baby. That's where we're yeah. going to be. Unless we, can we'll be get going a thousand, unless we can get a thousand subs to YouTube, then we can throw the live up on YouTube as well. But for right now, guys, we are still running our contest every 100 subs. Going to throw out some stuff to you guys. So uh, get your friends, tell your mama and them <laughs> to go and sub on the YouTube. Tell your mama and them to sub on YouTube. We get into a little YouTube talk on this episode too. A little Instagram talk. This episode is kind of packed full. So I really hope you guys enjoy. Stay tuned to hear from Derek Brundle and Brandon Mays. That bass fishing dude. They are the ones that are going to join us in just a minute but before we get there jessica it's tournament season tell us about some tournaments that are going on also tell us about what's going on with real sportswear and abu garcia in true texas fashion winter lasted all of five days and now we're seeing more of those warm spring days fear not bro staff as always real sportswear has got your back and well all your other sides for that matter Hop on realsportswear.com and check out amazing warm weather finds like the Tidal Shorts with four-way stretch technology that deliver quick drying properties, high breathability, and increased maneuverability. All bundled into one lightweight yet durable short. Add pockets and they're this summer's shorts from sea to shore. 
While you're gearing up to go out, how about you head on over and help Abu Garcia celebrate 100 years of providing equipment for anglers pursuing the sport with unrelenting passion. Get on abugarcia.com and invest in that next must-have for your fishing passion. From Veritas Rods to C3 Reels, Abu Garcia can get you where you want to be. Out there on the water, in style. Now before I hand you back over to Drew and Chris, I need to tell you about a tournament series with a $10,000 payout. The Kayak Angler Tournament Series, aka CATS, is now in its 13th year and is bigger and better than ever before. Powered by ACK, the 2021 tournament schedule has dates on Deckard, OHIV, Fayette, Choke, Travis, and the $10,000 Classic on Sam Rayburn. For more info on dates and to register for any of these tournaments, visit ACKCATS.com. That's A-C-K-K-A-T-S.com. That's it for me, bro staff, and I'll catch you on the salt side. As always, Jessica, hey, we really appreciate all the news and the greatest and latest, the latest and greatest even from our partners. Um, I know ACK has got a lot going on right now, and Pure Fishing is really blowing up the scene with their uh, Ugly Stick and their new Berkeley Baits. So 2021 is going to be a fantastic year for all of our partners and ourselves. Hey, look, tonight we've got two guests. This is the first time that we've actually... Um, brought two guys on at the same time, so for right a now, milk crate confessions episode. And, uh, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna take it back because um, well, we did, two guys, we did right. two, two fishing dudes, but um, we did Rex and uh, Ben once. Yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago though. That was and we did the KBN guys, and Damn. we did the Florida see, Texas see, this connection. Is, this is what happens when I sleep, man. <laughs> I forget what the hell I do. We need to All get right. you some ginkgo bilobo. <laughs> I need something. Fish. <laughs> hey, so uh, one of our guests today in the past, you know, people might have uh, recognized this dude on some of the, the bass trails of Texas, Texas native. And a lot of people might refer to him as the bass fishing dude. Although at seven foot tall, I think they should just call this dude the big deal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brandon maze aka that bass fishing dude what's going on y'all man oh, no, you I tell hope... me man I, I y'all got some snow out there recently huh in dallas or yeah wherever you're at. i wouldn't consider it to be snow i mean it didn't stick to anything so i mean it, it lasted all of about 20 minutes and it was gone so that's texas yeah. texas snow for you Global sorry warming. drew i cut you off man as usual I was going to say, some of our listeners probably know who Brandon is already. They probably know him by that bass fishing dude on Instagram. Dude, you're going to have to tell us in a little bit how to step our Instagram game up. Because you've got like 15,000 followers, don't you? 25,000. 25, sorry. 25,000 followers on Instagram. There's a reason for that, though. I think it's not just the fishing, man. Okay, I, I I don't think it's just the fishing. I think people want to see how a seven foot tall dude fits inside of a kayak. I think that's a big part of it as well. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I consider myself to be probably the tallest angler in the game. So I mean, I'm I probably am the tallest angler in the game. I, I've yet to come across anybody else that's of my stature or anything like that. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of that does come from that. I'm I, 
people look at me as kind of like a, a sideshow freak almost like this dude is seven feet tall and he's in a kayak like come on now what's up with that i got some very specific questions about that here in a little bit but i'm gonna let drew go ahead and bring our second guest in here all right our second guest guys if you follow the kbf scene then you know who this guy is it's Derek brundle all the way from warham mass last year well, 2019, he was the Northeast Angler of the Year. He's been invited to the Tinvitational two years in a row. This is our second guest that's been on that is going to be in the Tinvitational. We got Mr. Derek Brundle joining us today. Derek, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Well, we, we hope we hope we bring some good luck. We had Drew Gregory on last week um, or last episode, and he's headed to the Ten Invitational. He told us a little bit a little bit about his tournament prep, and we're going to talk to you a little later about you know how you approach new waters and new tournaments and things like that. But um, how you feeling going into the Ten Invitational? It's what two weeks away, or is it next week? Yeah, no, it's it, the Ten Invitational is the thirty thirtieth and thirty first, I think. But yeah, man, I feel good. I mean, I'm going back. I mean, I'm I'm not over here. I'm not seven feet tall, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I am at sometimes. But uh, yeah, no, I feel confident, man. I can't wait to get down there. I'm excited. This Milk Crate Confessions is one of our you know, more popular episodes where we just go through a mixed bag of things, all kinds of different questions, but we always ask the same questions to all of our listeners. So Derek, tell us about your first fishing memory and maybe your, maybe your most memorable moment in fishing. First fishing memory, huh? When I was young, I was in first grade. I had a crush on my first grade teacher and I used to fish hard. Uh, even way back then, and oh, that was my man, plan. This, this story is already starting really strange, man. It almost got really <laughs> weird, and 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 I mean, my mother can attest to this. Is it might have got weird? I don't know. I wasn't really a ladies' man back then, but uh, yeah, man. I I invited my teacher over to teach her how to fish, and she showed up, um, and I took her down to the dock. We lived right on a pond in uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts, and I'm. Took her down to the dock and we fished for like two or three hours and then she took off. I don't know, man. I, things might have got weird. I'm... This is this is awesome. <laughs> Look, guys, this, this brings me back. Okay, um, man, I used to have a crush on my fifth grade teacher, and then there was a buddy of mine, Jeff. We grew up together. He owns a gun range down here in Houston. We used to like fight for attention from this teacher, and he won. He won big time. He made her a mixtape with poison. You know. <laughs> Every rose has its thorn. Bro, he made her a mixtape and gave it to her. And I was like, You're showing your age, Chris. You're showing your age. (laughs) That's awesome, though. I like that story, man. She showed up. Y'all fished. Things might have gotten weird. Um, Yeah, I mean, if I was maybe a little bit older, things might have gotten weird. <laughs> Love it. If he was like in third grade, things may have been yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, maybe. He may have, may have had a chance. May have yeah. had a chance yeah. then. What about your most memorable fishing uh fishing moment? That you, was also it, man. That, <laughs> that was also I mean that could have been one and the same. Now I think probably man, there's been a lot of very memorable experiences, but I think um my dad and I caught a giant bluefin tuna weighed five hundred and seventy five pounds. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. I used to, you know, we used 
to be a commercial fisherman back in the day before when my daughter was real little. Here's the reason why it was so memorable. We were, you know, we had caught them before, but that was a big one. And um, we brought it in. We were waiting for the buyer to come. And my daughter was real little at the time. And I had her sitting on top of that thing and was in the boat. And um, my mom's snapping pictures. You guys remember? Uh, you might not even, you guys, I don't even know if you guys are that old, but like you used to have the one ten film? Like, <laughs> no, and you used to wind the little thing on the side. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know oh, I mean? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's over there snapping picture after picture after picture. That, that thing was used up already, man. There was no there was no pictures left in it. So she snapped a whole bunch of pictures and nothing. But yeah, that was probably one of my favorite memories of fishing. That's crazy. So you and your dad were catching, you know, 500 and something pound tuna. Me and my dad were at Matagorda Harbor with dead shrimp catching Kroger. You, you have <laughs> five, five pound fish. Yeah. It, exactly. I mean, if we caught a red fish, that was just a bonus. We were catching, you know, little 12, 13 inch croaker. And I thought that was how they should, can only imagine catching a huge <laughs> tuna out there with my dad. That would have been, that would have been something. Well, Brandon, what about you, man? First fishing memory. And then, you know, maybe one of your most memorable uh, fishing memories. Man. First fishing memory, it's probably one of the ones that really kind of got me started fishing, really. I mean, I've, I've grown up fishing my entire life. but Did it involve your first grade teacher? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm from Temple, Texas originally. So, you know, grew up fishing the Leon River and, you know, Belton Lake and all of that stuff down there. So as a kid, I, I was probably about five, five or six years old. And uh, me and my dad and my mom were out there fishing one time. And I didn't even have a fishing pole. I, I, I'm a, a big scavenger. Like I, when I would go fishing as a kid, like I would just, you know, walk around and explore the bank and just find stuff, always finding lures and line and whatever else people had left behind. Well, I found some fishing line and a hook and um, literally a stick and I, just a straight up twig off of a tree. And I had tied about eight or nine feet of line onto the end of this stick and put a hook on there and my dad threw a worm on it and I just hung it off of one of the little um, bluff walls that we were standing on top of fishing. And I ended up catching on this thing, like literally like a, a 10 pound channel cat. It was the only fish that we caught that day. And um, like, we're just standing there and I'm just holding this stick over this bluff wall and just standing there not doing anything kind of just like you know throwing the stick around whatever but the string and the line and the hook is in the water boom gets smacked by this massive channel cat and i i lifted up out of the water and my dad is like going crazy losing his mind because <laughs> he's <laughs> like are you kidding me like da, 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 like going crazy and um that was probably my earliest fishing memory that i can that i remember specifically again probably my most memorable moment it's probably pretty recently uh, me and my dad actually you know me and my dad haven't always had the greatest of relationship my dad he retired a uh, year before last and he got a boat for retirement and um you know he's not super big about going out onto the boat year round all this other stuff i fish every day of the year it doesn't matter to me i don't care what it looks like outside but um i drug him out one weekend about a month and a half ago or so we just went out and did some drift fishing. You know, my dad is a, a catch and keep everything. It doesn't matter what it is. So, like, he gets really <laughs> mad at me because I'm a catch and release guy. But, um, is he like, so, that's a sandwich. Put it man, in the cooler. That's a, a sandwich, son. Put it in the cooler. Catch and keep everything. So, we were just out doing some drift fishing on Levon. I live right down the street from Lake Levon over here. 
sat out there for about two hours, got out there about 11 o'clock and it was just real quiet and just dead calm. Wasn't really getting any bites. And then it was probably right around 11, about one thirty, almost two o'clock. And like, I was like just veering off, peering off into the distance. And I was, I was literally in my mind, I was thinking, I was like, all right, it's about time to wrap this up because we're not going to catch anything. And right as I was about to turn around and say, you ready to go? My dad's like, get your line, get your line. My pole was just like folded in half. And it's just drag is just running. It's real is just screaming. It's gone. And um, so I grab it and I, I set into it and I start cranking down, cranking down, cranking down. And then I'm just, it's just running. Like there's just no stopping this fish. And so I, I finally let him tire out a little bit. I start cranking him up, cranking him up. My dad is like, you know, is it a big one? And I was like, it feels big. <laughs> and um, so I get it up, man. And this big old, just monstrous blue cat just comes to the top and just rolls and I see his belly and I'm like, get the net, get the net. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I get the net and he's like, he's like fumbling with it and not get it in the head of the cat into the net. And like, you have to pick the whole thing up like a suitcase out of the water just because <laughs> the, the fish was so big. That catfish ended up weighing almost 40 pounds. Damn. Yeah, man. It was just a monstrous blue cat. That's, that's my PB blue cat. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty insane. That's a lot of sandwiches, man. That, <laughs> and said again, my dad is a catch and keep everything. So yes, we did end up cleaning that. Fi- I ended up having to clean that fish. I mean, we got legit like thirty five pounds of nuggets off of that thing, and we had like a monster fish fry. That we so, did. so bringing it back to his first fishing memory, do you guys think that all the people that were surrounding him as he was pulling in this cat off of a tree limb, they went home and just burnt all their fish? <laughs> <laughs> just threw it in a pile like just we're doing a bonfire they're like forget it i'm fishing with oak <laughs> from now yeah. on it was crazy man it, it was legit just a stick off of the tree just a straight up twig i don't even know how it's killer was man that, to bring that fish up like that anyway without it even breaking that's, that's funny memory, man that's, that's funny awesome. you said you're a uh a scavenger so uh i have 11 year old an eight year old and a six year old and the six year old is the scavenger yeah, like we go we go out fishing. The eight year old will fish all day long until the bait is gone or till it's too dark to see or whatever. He'll fish all day long. The eleven year old is just like, yeah, if the fish are biting, he's fishing. The six year old is running around everywhere. So the last time we went fishing, we get back to the house and it's probably three or four days later after I took all the boys and I hop in the back of my truck to get something. And there's a big pile of just stuff. <laughs> I'm no, I have no clue what it is in the back of my truck. So then I start looking at it. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And they're in kind of octagonal shapes. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This that would full be octagonal, ha- sir. Same thing. O- o- octagonal, octagonal, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever space boy. <laughs> so I, I look at him. It is a full turtle shell broken in to just a million pieces laying in the back of my truck that somehow got stowed away all like, the way back the turtle, to the house bro? yeah i'm like where did you find this he's like yeah. we f- we found it when we went fishing like like i'm supposed to know that that's that's why we brought the turtle shell back and i'm like what were you gonna do with it he said i was gonna keep it I'm like, oh, yep. well, there it goes. It's a great explanation. Thanks you for the explanation, CJ. Yeah. That's um, the same I'm, way it was with me. I mean, I'm still that way. You know, I, I whenever we go out fishing, like, I'm always finding stuff. 
Um, even to this day, whenever we go out, like I always find stuff. And when you bring up the kids, you know, like my daughter, Presley, my youngest, she's the one that is the hardcore. She likes to fish and she'll fish all day long. And then she's five. And then my, my seven-year-old Lila, she is only interested in fishing if she's catching something. And then my son, Brad, he's 14. He'll, he'll sit out there and fish all day long too, but he's not really like fishing. He'll just sit there and hold his pole. He's losing more bait than anything. <laughs> and then, um, but um, again, like Presley, she loves the fish and she'll go out there and she'll fish all day long. Can we go fishing? Can we go fishing? And then she'll sit out there with me all day. That's awesome to have a daughter that fishes. Drew, you don't have a daughter yet. No, I'm not going to have a daughter. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with kids, dude. That's me it. too, man. I don't want anything else in my house that eats or poops. That goes for animals. <laughs> that goes for kids. That goes for everything. If you eat or poop, not at the Turner household. That's what's up. <laughs> All right, Derek. The next question. Your first kayak. What was it and what got you into kayak fishing? Uh, my first kayak was an old town otter, like a little eight-foot old town otter. We were um, we we're on vacation, my wife and I and my daughter. We just decided one day we were going to get kayaks, so we stopped into a shop in Vermont where we were, and um, I bought three, and we went out and started kayaking. Damn, just like that. Just like, hey, I'm not just going to get like one, that. I'm going to get three. Well, I mean, right. I can't, I, you know, you got to do some family activities, you know? Go hard or go home. So, so yeah. you're... you're passion for kayak fishing just started as you know wanting to take the family out do something a little bit different is that is that what i'm getting here well i mean no not really i guess my my passion my real passion for kayak fishing started a few years ago i've always been fishing my entire life it's like one of my favorite things to do but uh, like i said we kind of started that as a family thing you know let's do some kayaking together spend time together um and of course, being a fisherman, I started bringing my fishing rod with me all the time. And, you know, we did that for many years. Actually, when I lived in San Antonio, I used to take that little otter down to Corpus and go, you know, wade the flats down there and drag that thing behind me just to carry my tackle and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I I think, I mean, I really loved kayak fishing or started loving kayak fishing probably only a few years ago. What about you, Brandon? First kayak, what was it? What What got you into kayak fishing? Why are, why are you with us here on the podcast today, man? Well, my first kayak is actually the kayak that I'm currently in, which is a Three Waters Big Fish 120. Um, that was my first kayak. My my wife actually had, I bought my wife a, a, an Ascend FS10T from Bass Pro Shops um, for Mother's Day about three years ago. And that's actually what even got me into kayaking. Like I had never been in a kayak before, never had even thought about, you know, kayaking. My wife was, my wife was from Maryland. So she was like, she's always grown up on the water, on the bay and all that stuff like that. So she's always been, you know, bugging, Hey, I want to get a kayak, blah, blah, blah. So I got her a kayak for mother's day. You know, the Ascend line is not known for being the most stable and it's definitely not made for people that are seven feet tall, 310 pounds either. <laughs> so, um, well, to we, be fair, there's not a lot of kayaks that are made for people that are seven foot tall and 310 pounds. That's true, but you'd be really surprised at what's actually out there on the market. Um, but um, so at, around the same time, we had bought a boat. We had a, a big uh, Tritune that we had bought that was brand new and everything like that. And we would take that out here and there. And um, we would take it out to the lake and we took out her kayak 
and she would like I'd put put around on the boat and fish or whatever, and she'd just go out and you know paddle on our yak. Well, one day I was like, hey, you know, let me try that out against my better judgment. You know, I was I jumped in this thing and like literally like as soon as I got in it, she just takes off on the boat like just hauled ass to the other side of the lake. <laughs> she'd been and waiting I, to drive and oh just my, leave you. She'd been man. waiting for that moment for a while. She had that plan for months, I bet. Man, and I hadn't even figured out really how to even be in a kayak. So it was completely new to me. So like how I was even balancing myself was I was sitting in the seat with my legs over the side in the water. So that's the only way that I could balance because if I tried to put my feet up, like I couldn't get my balance to stay stable enough in the boat. So, you know, I'm like pedaling, paddling around, you know, and all of a sudden this thing is just taking on like all this water. And like, it's literally sinking in the lake. And so like, I'm freaking out at this point. And I'm like waving, like, come back and get me. She's like half a mile away. And she's like waving because she thinks I'm like saying, hey, I'm having a great time up here. Which hey, honey. Not the case. So I'm like, no, come here. So she finally comes over and gets me. And that, that boat literally almost ruined my kayak career before it started. And, um, but about a few months later from there, I really, once I got into that boat and like kind of just saw what kayaking kind of was, I started really thinking about, you know, really getting into a real kayak. And I started looking at what was on the market, what was out there and what would fit a person of my stature that I could actually even use. And that's whenever I settled on the Three Waters Big Fish 120, which is the boat that I'm currently in. For the longest time, I didn't even stand up in my boat. I've only actually been kayak fishing for two years. You know, I mean, I, I started bass fishing as a whole two years ago. For me, it was a, a completely new experience just all around. And, and what kind of made me passionate about kayak fishing was just the ability to just get out on the water and, and get to places that other people just can't get to. I mean, there's just so much that you can do in a kayak that you can't do in a boat. Like, I mean, we, I love, you know, literally dropping my kayak in some of these urban creeks that are around here in DFW, you know, that you absolutely can't just get into. I mean, it's so you're, you're not getting a boat. You're not getting that, that tritune or anything. Oh, you're not, you ain't getting not. that in any of those places. <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, creeks and rivers like that's, that's what I'm really passionate about. I mean, I'm passionate about water just in general, just, just fishing anything really, but, um, getting out and seeking that adventure is, is a big part for me is like, you know, finding a new adventure every time I go out is that's what's important to me. And that's why I really enjoy kayak fishing. Okay. So talking about, uh, you know, kayaks, fishing, uh, favorite fishing memories or most memorable fishing memories, right? What about your favorite style of fishing and, and why? I mean, I, automatically guys, everybody knows we've got two bass fishermen. Okay. But in bass fishing, there's a lot of different styles, right? You've got, come on, list them with me. Crankbaits, drop shots, finesse fishing. Punching mats. Punching mats. Punching mats. Oh, frogs, man. Don't even get me started on I don't that. even know how to punch mats, but I want to punch mats because I like the way it say, sounds. So when somebody asks me what kind of fishing do you like to do the most, I want to say, I like punching mats. I like doing punch fishing. Yeah, it's just cool to say. Yeah, I think that's going to be my name. Because like I'm going to start Scott fishing and, tournaments. It could be like Scott and you enjoy punching clowns. <laughs> that's true chris i'm gonna i'm gonna start fishing bass tournaments man you go for it i am i'm gonna fish the tournament on conroe on 
March 20th with the uh, Southeast Texas Bass uh, tournaments. I'm gonna I'm gonna fish I, that one. It's my live, backyard, you man. Right, you live right there on the lake, man. I think you should. I think you should learn your lake and and fish it hard and fish it well. I mean, I live right here in you know Greens Lake, saltwater, and that's what I'm learning every every weekend. Yeah, KBF can, will be on Trinity in April. Yeah, I mean, I may head up there. You know, it depends how I do in this first one. Let me let me let me get this first one under my belt and see how much money I want to continue to donate to the pots um, <laughs> before I start signing up for for other other tournaments here. That's your regular trend, regardless. But anyway, That's back very to true. the question. So uh, let's see here. Who wants to answer first, man? What's your favorite kind of your favorite style of fishing and why? Brandon, you go first, man. Cool. So, like, for me, I, I'm a big swim bait guy, man. I'm a big fan of throwing, like, big swim baits, um, all different styles of swim baits from glides to multi-joints. Um, you pretty much name it. I, I pretty much throw it. And all varying weights from one ounce up to my biggest that I currently have is, I think, 11 ounces. So, um, for me, uh, the, the main reason why I really like throwing, you know, swim baits and, and just big swim baits in general is, I mean, they just typically produce bigger bites. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, they produce bigger fish more often, I would say, than, you know, your typical conventional fishing um, that a lot of people are used to. I'm a, I'm a big conventional fisherman as well. Um, this time of year is when I'm where I'm typically throwing big swim baits the most. Um, it's just, you know, water's a little bit cooler, fish are a little bit more or less active depending on where you are and they're typically chasing a bigger meal so i like to throw you know a slightly bigger profile bait to try to you know hone in on that big monster bass but um yeah i mean i just i love swim bait fishing i mean it's it's just a lot of fun to just throw a, a just huck some monster bait out there and slow roll it back to you in the hopes that you're going to drag in some monster fish. And I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of really tough days. I mean, there, there are more tough days than there are successful ones when you, when you just commit to only throwing big baits. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, don't understand is like, I, I see a lot of guys, especially on social media, like now it, it like big swim baiting and just swim baiting in general has become really popular over the last, you know, year or so. And then over these last few months with a lot of these, um, these in-house guys that are, you know, these these bait makers are getting a lot of really cool collaborations and they're putting out a lot more baits. There's a lot more people, you know, especially with, you know, COVID and the stuff that was going on with that. There's a lot more people that are fishing now. And as the, that in, the industry kind of makes a, a change and kind of expands, you get more people doing different things that they wouldn't normally be doing. And then right now, swim baiting has become extremely popular. So, a lot of these guys are, you know, spending substantial amounts of money buying swim baits for one, because <laughs> I mean, it, that, it's not a cheap uh, hobby, you know, fishing in general, bass fishing in general is not cheap. What's uh, the most expensive swim bait that you have? How much did it cost? I mean, it, I didn't, co it didn't cost me, but I have a <laughs> swim bait that literally cost 350 bucks. Shut what? Yeah. Okay, first, first off, first off, whenever you first started talking about swim baits, you say, I like swim bait fishing. I'm like, you know what? I like swim baits too. But then you said one ounce, and I'm like, oh, shit. Sh um, hold up. That's a whole other category of swim baits <laughs> that yeah. I'm fishing with. And then you say you got one that's $300. Yeah. 
350 bucks. I'm sorry, 350. Yeah, man. And what? there's some that there's some just... that are there's some bits out there that are even more expensive than that. Like when you look at yeah, there is. <laughs> when you look at the the Roman made mother chaser, this bait weighs is 16 that, ounces. Is that and something it, you put on your shelf and you just look? Some at people it? do buy them and just put them on their shelf, but it's a handmade bait, and um, it's 22 inches long. It catches monster fish, but this wow. this bait is 22 inches long, weighs 16 ounces, and it costs a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. yeah. See now, Drew. Drew, when when he started talking about you know an ounce and up, and then you know what we what he said eleven fit? ounces. Yeah, yeah. He said he's got one that's eleven ounces. And Chris, that that's answers why, your question that we were talking about before this, because you were like, "How big is a seven foot tall um, guy? How big is his swim bait?" So eleven <laughs> ounces. That's how big a seven foot tall man's swim bait is. But go ahead. I wasn't asking about your swim bait, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree with you that I always preach larger profile baits catch bigger fish. Um, fish are not, I mean, when a 22 to, inch swim bait though, like, yeah, man, those, those baits are consistently pulling in 12 plus pound bass. There you go. Easily. Jesus. But I mean, you also got to think about it that a lot of the areas that people are throwing big baits like that is, I mean, like, you're not I mean, you'll find lakes in texas that you would throw a bait that large isn't the west west coast they, west they throw coast those more on the west coast extremely popular for the roman maids because i mean they have a lot a lot of their lakes out there have trout and stuff like that in them so you you typically kind of match the type of bait that you're throwing to the type of fish and forage that live in your lakes and california has a lot of trout in their lakes so they throw a lot of trout pattern baits and the roman made mother is based off of a trout pattern. So, I mean, whenever you think about like your Hinkles, you know, that that's another bait that's based off of a trout pattern. Those do extremely well here in Texas, but that's, it's mainly based off of the, the pattern of the swim versus what the bait actually looks like. Oh, and um, that, that's something that gets bit a lot out oh. on the West coast, but like out here, a lot of people are throwing like your working class zero citizens, um, shad patterns, like the phony frog, um, Phony Shad is another good one. That's one of my favorites to throw. Um, what else? Depths 250 is another now, one. Now, do you follow PJ Fishes on Instagram? Do you know yeah. PJ? I know PJ. Um, PJ's, I don't know if it's a swim bait or not, but I've been following him on Instagram, and it looks like he is using Splinter from the Ninja Turtles because yeah. he is throwing like a 11 inch rat imitation yep. out there. And I don't know if it's a top water or a swim bait or what, it but is. that thing is gnarly looking. It is. So it, it falls into the category of a wake bait. So most rat lures are, are wake baits. They have a, a flat lip on them that basically just pushes water as it rolls through the water. And, um, but it's more of a top water than anything. It doesn't really do much diving. And if it does dive, it's only going like an inch or so under the water. But yeah, man, those, those rat lures definitely catch. That's, that's crazy, dude. Straight effect. If so there's got, not a master splinter rat lure out there, then they're they're not doing justice. There needs to be a master splinter rat lure. There's tons of them, man. There's gonna, tons hey, of guys out there that get it get it really kicked off, rats. Drew. Hey, just so you guys know, I'm a one trick pony. Um, I 
I do not know your vernacular, you know, the terms that you're using <laughs> are blowing my mind. I'm learning a lot from having you guys on here. I doubt that I'll ever be a bass fisherman, but I'm interested in what you're doing because I tell you what, I like those checks. I like seeing y'all hold those big fat checks too. I think it's pretty amazing whenever uh, somebody wins $30,000 for fishing, you know. Well, but, the cats cats tournament this year, ACK, 10 grand guaranteed payout for the classic. Yeah. Shout out to ACK. Well, but, check this out, man. I I usually fish with 8 ounce lures man that's <laughs> like everything that's in my in my tackle box is like eighth ounce but now i know why bass rods always look like broomsticks not all throwing they're throwing 11 ounce. i mean you got there's so many well maybe not all of them but you've got 40 on your kayak so <laughs> well before we get into all that before we get into that because that's going to be another thing that we're going to talk oh, about okay okay Derek, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Derek, what about your uh favorite style of fishing what what is your go-to style uh, I'm a power fisherman, man. I, I mean, turn, you know, cause I do so many tournaments. So, you know, you're in that time crunch when I'm not tournament fishing though, I'm out there hucking the same thing. The big old swim baits. Um, I fish the rat at night a lot. I've got, I don't know, a dozen Johnny rats. And I mean, those are 200 bucks a piece, but, um, the, there's a certain fun aspect to the big swim baits, but, um, most of the time you'll find me power fishing with either I'm, I'm really love spinner baits, um, chatter baits, crank baits, something so I can cover water, find fish and then lock down and just pound on them. Now is the jackhammer worth the money? You know, it depends. Jackhammer's $15, man. He's talking about $200 lures. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but... it's expensive in the realm of, 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 of a bladed swim jig. You know what I mean? Um, so is it worth it though? Is it worth it? Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, you got to also think that just about everybody's throwing a jackhammer now. So I have actually reverted and I do better on like the original chatterbait. Um, and there's a lot of companies out there that have their own version of a bladed swim, swim jig, uh, that are all great too. And now that the jackhammer has become so popular, I bet I only have maybe three or four because a fish watches a jackhammer go by probably 15 times a day, no matter what lake you're on. Um, so try and change it up a little bit and throw something maybe a little bit different, revert back to, like I said, the original chatterbait that cost four ninety nine. I put a beating on them last year down in Florida on that original chatterbait. And, um, yeah, I mean, you didn't have to buy a jackhammer for it. So. so I don't own a single jackhammer, and I'm not buying one. I'll stick with the three ninety nine. <laughs> Regular old Z-Man from Walmart. Yep, yep, that's right. So, mm. You know, that's funny. That goes back to my, um, you know, the comment that I've made before that, that bass are actually intelligent fish. Um, if they can pick up on, you know, types of baits that they, they get stuck in the face with, you know, time and time again. And you really don't know. It's just theory, right? It's just theory. Just um, a theory. Yeah, because we can't actually ask the bass but we we know they're not hitting on that anymore they're not they're not being fooled by it and that's what we're all out there to do right is to fool the fish for um, sure but redfish man like i say all the time they are dumb yeah <laughs> well it, and the dumber ones the dumber ones are dead because we're we've we've already eaten all of them that's right yeah, i think that's freezer. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why bass are so so smart is because for the last, you know, probably 20, 30 years. Nobody's eating them. Nobody's eating them because of the sport. The sport of bass yeah. fishing has, has grown so much, and yep. you will be shamed to death if you post up a bass on a stringer on anything on social media or anything like that. So there's not got, very many people on my, that, well, are, that are saving on my Instagram. Well, I'm going to be flat out and straight up honest with y'all. I've eaten bass before, and they're delicious. I, I don't, I nice don't white flaky any, meat. Man, I don't down anybody that eats anything that they catch. I mean, I get the aspect of it being a sport fish, but obviously nobody – I mean, there are dummies that do this. They go out – nobody's going out catching a 10-pound bass and filleting that bad boy up. Like, if you catch like a 14, 15-inch bass, you know, if it's in within the legal keep limits – those are the ones that you keep, you know, you don't keep, I mean, there's, there's an abundance of little bitty bass in lakes, but a 10 pounder, it takes a bass so long to get that big. Like there is no reason to keep a bass that big three, four, five, six, seven pound bass. There's no reason to keep a fish that big. I mean, when we go camping, like when me and Charlie go camping, we catch bass and we make fish tacos all the time. I mean, that's you you eat you fish to eat and you eat to live so i mean it's like i don't see anything wrong with people catching and keeping bass but obviously don't be catching and keeping a 10 pounder like don't be that guy there, there's limitations there's, yeah, there's limitations. limitations but at the same time it's like you know do you you know at the end of the day i mean it, it's you don't worry about what other people think and what other people say so, if you're if it's legal then you know do it it's up I, to you i know drew's got another question coming up but i need to slip something in right quick um, in regards to, like you said, the size, okay, the size of, of a bass that you're taking, are all lakes different? You have different slots on different lakes, or is it a, dictated by the Texas it Parks and be. Wildlife Department? It can be, but not always. So it just really kind of just depends on the fishery and where you are. Like in Texas, a lot of the limits are pretty much the same across the board, but in other states, it's different. You know, I mean, certain lakes have different limits and different sizes that you can keep, and some don't or some are pretty much identical but i just you know when when i go to a to launch my kayak at an inshore lake or um or marsh there's no sign there that says you know this is your slot limit but on lakes a lot of times i see signs that say this is your slot um this is what you can keep and i didn't know um i just thought about that is it just the lake that dictates the size or is it texas parks and wildlife it's tpwd that's that Uh a lot of times that's that's regulated by the state as a whole you can delete that if you want to i sound so dumb asking no you don't but uh, chris (laughs) yeah Yeah. no chris i think a lot of that too is uh, a lot of the lakes that you're seeing because i know you like to frequent the state parks the state parks have different regulations than texas parks and wildlife Yeah, because you don't even need a fishing license to fish inside uh, yeah, Texas State Parks. About, about camping, and I'm like, this is my season right now for <laughs> camping, man. Yeah, man. Me too. All right, be- before we move on, Brandon, I got a question. What's up? Papa Mays catches a five-pound bass on the boat. Are you letting him take it home? Are y'all having a standoff in the boat? What What's <laughs> happening? What's happening? I mean... If I can get it away from him and knock it back into the water, it's going to the water. But, I mean, you're I, a crappy, you're a crappy net man. Yeah, Oops. man. But um, no, nah, I mean, it's 
it's happened before. We've gone out to like Lake Tawakany and we've caught a few bass and he's like, put them in the live wheel. And he just, he just look at me and he says it. And I'm just like, Oh my God. So, that's what it may, is. May slip out of your hands and, and yeah. head back into the water for those bigger ones. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the rod and reel questions. We we're going to talk some tackle here. We're going to talk some line. Derek, give me your favorite two setups to fish. I want to know what reel you got, what lines on there, the power of it. Give me everything about your favorite two rods, reels, your your whole setup. All right. Uh, well, for power fishing, for spinner baits, chatter baits, stuff like that, I use a seven three heavy action hybrid um, with a Quantum S three smoke. Um, PT with uh, 16 pound Sunline fluorocarbon, and um, that's basically my setup for you know chatter baits, spinner baits, stuff like that. How many how many rods and reels do you have in your boat on tournament day? Eleven. Eleven on a kayak. Mm-hmm. Gee, how are you storing eleven rods on your kayak? So I run a new canoe pursuit, and then. Down on the deck, there's two internal rod tubes on each side, and you can put two rods in each one of those tubes. So I keep, uh, you know, four on this side, four on that side, so this eight there, and then I keep three behind me on my black pack. And then sometimes I'll bring an extra one just in case, um, it, depending on if I'm not familiar with the lake and you just might have to have that extra setup. So sometimes I run a dozen, but 11 is usually the minimum. So you were talking about the fluoro that you're using. Why that particular fluoro? Is there anything, you know, particular about it? Um, I don't really know if there's anything particular about it, but I mean, we use things that we're comfortable with, right? So I've been through a ton of different line, um, and then you see, you know, guys like Aaron Martins and some of these other, you know, big name pros using Sunline. You check it out. Um, it's very, very. Uh, abrasion resistant i've had excellent luck with it um so yeah i just kind of fell in love with it all right what about your next rod and reel setup what what is your number two go-to it's always a spinning rod for my second rod um i mean if we're just talking general category you know because spinning rod is so versatile you can use it for so many things um i usually go with a like a seven foot medium heavy action high modulus graphite to a um quantum smoke maybe like a 30 or a 40 size reel. I always use 15 pound braid to probably, depending on what I'm using, 15 pound braid to a 12 to a 20 pound fluorocarbon leader. Now, and what do you, what are you throwing with the, what, what type of uh, baits are you throwing with that spinning reel? So probably my favorite thing to throw with a spinning rod is a jerk bait. Actually. Um, I throw a jerk bait a lot. Uh, made a lot of money with it. Um, just very comfortable with it. So, and it catches fish all around the country. So it's one of those real versatile baits. You can cover a lot of water with it, and then when you find them, you can really just slow down and work them methodically and catch them. Uh, for that setup, it's always 15 pound Power Pro to about like a three and a half, four foot, 12 pound test uh, Sunline uh, shooter fluorocarbon leader. So I gotta, usually go to a Mega Bass 110. It's usually, depending on the depth, 110 or 110 plus 1 or 110 plus 2, something like that. 
I missed what line you were putting on your first setup. Are you putting fluoro on your sunline. first setup? Yeah, sunline so fluorocarbon all, as well. So it's all fluorocarbon on your first setup. All right. Yep. I, I know fluorocarbon does not work on spinning reels, um, but why braid versus mono? So the braid for me, I feel like I have better control, and you get that <laughs> nose stretch, uh, and it, it will cast a mile. And you can get, you know, like 15-pound testers super skinny i don't know what it is compared to like a monofilament like, 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 like six four. or something you know no, four six. Yeah, yeah. so you can get a bunch of line on there and you've got this the no stretch um gives you a little bit more handleability i guess you would say i don't know if that's really a word but um i know. say it's a word chris might disagree but <laughs> it's a word it's oh, you can make this up you can make up words or whatever and i'll say yeah that sounds good that's that's a word I switched from monofilament to to braid on spinning gear, and it took me nearly two years of pulling braid off of my damn spinning gear, trashing it, putting new braid on, trying that out, pulling it off, trashing it, because spinning gear is horrible with braid in my opinion. And I finally found one braid that actually works really well, um, but monofilament to me just on spinning gear is is superior uh opposed to braid i understand what you're saying though like you you can there's no stretch you can feel what's at the end of your your line a lot better with braid than you can with mono um you more handleability <laughs> with the it's, braid. A, it's, a, it's gonna be a, a catchy catchy <laughs> word now um, it, it, we're gonna make shirts handleability but the the one thing that I hated the most about braid on spinning gear is wind knots. It, it... So a lot of that has to deal with how the line is actually put on the reel. That can really give you – you can do – there's a, a few different tricks you can do with braid to help eliminate the wind knots. Um, number one is when you load the braid on the first time, put a ton of pressure on it while you're spooling up that line so that it goes on as tight as possible. Second thing that can really help you out is when you cast, don't engage the reel by the handle. Flip the bail over yeah, by sure, hand, sure. right? So um, take a look at the spool before you start reeling because what happens is if that this is the top loop. of your spool, that line will lay over the top of the spool. And it doesn't yeah. matter where it is on the spool. It could be the first two feet of your cast. It starts to catch that ridge on the, from the line going across the spool, sends a little turbulence. That's what gives you the wind knot, collects in your first guide, and then you're – cutting all the line off and doing your thing or dicking with it all for about yeah. five minutes <laughs> i mean yeah i mean that it happens i mean but it, it, those those couple of tips i mean really i i very rarely get any wind knots now yeah i don't the, get any chris i want to stick with this for a second yeah, i i don't get very many wind knots i have braid on everything what was too many wind knots for you? Because I get a wind knot, you know, one every three or four trips. So you're talking about wind knots, but I know you're very particular. Like how, how often were you jacking with wind knots and what braid were you using that didn't work? Um, so any, any, um, any low strand braid was giving me more wind knots than um, high strand, like, like a nine strand braid. Um, was a little bit nicer to use for, in fact, the one that, that, um, I ended up settling with and convincing myself was the best braid to use was the suffix 832, um, in about 15 pound range. And that was, that was perfect. 
and I did not get wind knots with that one. It was probably because it could tighten up on the spool a lot easier than a five pound or a five strand braid um, could. So maybe that was the difference. I don't know, but I was getting wind knots probably all this awkward silence. <laughs> it's been a long time since it's been a couple of years since I've really fished uh spinning gear. That's so I don't know. I don't know. It was a lot. It was more than I cared for. How about that? Yeah. Well, I haven't been getting much at all. I'm like you. I used to be a nothing but suffix 832 guy on all of my spinning gear, which was most of my gear. I recently switched over to the Berkeley X9. Love and it. I have not noticed a big difference at all between the 832 and the Berkeley X9. Yeah. I, I really like that X9. And it just so happens that Berkeley is sponsoring this episode. So shout out to Berkeley. Hey. <laughs> hey, for this episode. All right, Brandon, man, what about you? What are your two favorite setups? Talk us through it. So <clears throat> first one is really, really simple. Texas rig, obviously. Big fan of the Texas rig. Uh, seven foot medium heavy. It's, um, I'm a, I'm a TFO guy. So I absolutely love Temple Fork Outfitters rods. Um, so I have a, and I, my Texas rig rod is actually a benefit rod, which, um, supports heroes on the water. You know, I'm a veteran as well. So, um, they actually donate 10% of the proceeds from that rod, every sale of that rod to heroes on the water. Um, so a seven foot medium heavy with, um, I've got 15 pound fluorocarbon on a, uh, uh, Abu Garcia Revo S. I think the gear ratio on that one is a uh, seven three to one. I want to say. Yeah, that sounds right. One. Yeah, seven three to one. And um, I pretty much use that thing for everything Texas rig wise, um, whether it's weighted, weightless, whatever it may be. That that reel and setup will literally cast a mile. Um, I've got it tuned and locked down pretty good, so I can pretty much get that thing out there. Just the Revo S. Just the Revo S. And, and Drew uh, says that sounds about right, but he don't know. <laughs> no, I'm uh, saying in the gearing, in the gearing. I, I've seen that before on the internet, so keep, yeah. keep going, keep going. And then um, from there, <laughs> um, my second setup is um, obviously my uh, swim bait setup, um, one of four different ones that I that I have. Um, it's a, a heavy, uh, eight foot heavy. Uh, this is also a, a TFO rod, but this is a, a prototype, so I can't really give you too much, too many details about the rod. But um, eight foot heavy um, with um, this also has 15 pound fluorocarbon on it, and it's going to a an Abu Garcia Revo Beast with a seven four to one gear ratio. I use that for. Um, smaller swim baits that I'm, I'm working really, really fast and aggressively, primarily like the, the DRT tiny clash is one that I throw on that a lot. Um, small HUD gills, Huddleston 68 is another one that I throw on there as well. Um, six inch, um, working class zero, uh, citizen six. And, um, but like, for instance, that, that setup is made for, 
for moving baits really, really quickly that I want to work extremely aggressively. Like for instance, the DRT tiny clash is a bait that like, that is just hyper aggressive in the water. Like, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the most erratic swim baits on the market. It's, it's a glide style bait, but it doesn't fish like a typical glide does with just your, your simple swoops back and forth, like say an S waiver or a depths 250 or even a depths 175 or something like that. It has a much more erratic, like even like a wobble type swoop. So, I mean, the, the more you crank that, that bait, the more it just goes nuts in the water. And then it's also really adjustable as well. So that's the setups that I use for, for that. So you said the Revo beast. Yeah. Um, I know the Revo beast. Is it the Revo beast rocket? No, this is just the, the, the Revo beast four. So the newest beast yeah. uh, for this year or last year. That's crazy the, that you say that black you, one. you like to use them for moving quickly because the beast is known to be a slower. Well, this um, is a high gear. This so one's got seven, three to seven, four to one gear ratio. So this one, this one moves it's got a lot it, it brings in a lot of line. when i think of moving i'm thinking of like the the new like everybody's got like a 9.0 out now that's every, too fast man there yeah. i gave i gave up on them man that's way too fast like i i don't think there's any bait that i own i mean i have a lot of tackle and i don't think there's any bait that i own that i would ever throw that i would need to retrieve that fast <laughs> i mean there's i mean there's there's some out there that have like a, a 10 one to one gear ratio i mean like yeah yeah, that's, that's new, entirely too fast. Uh, but there's a but new guys, Daiwa and there's a new rocket out that has the ten to, ten to one. Yeah. But guys will tell you it's not for uh, not for bringing baits in fast. It's it's for bringing those fish in. No, fast no, it's for getting. The, it's for you getting just got you, well, yeah. You just got to reel that sucker slowly back in, man. But yeah, you but, you sacrifice torque for. Uh, yeah, most definitely. The, the higher the gear ratio, the less torque you're going to get. So that's another big problem. So I mean, like. I, I like to. I don't think I own anything over seven four to one. Because like the the beast is known to be the lowest. It's a five to three, five point three to one ratio. Yep. Okay, and that's that. I, I always get it backwards. Is it the lowest? Although it's the lowest numbers, it's the highest gear ratio. Whatever. Um, but it's a five three to one, and that sucker is known for its torque. That's why it's called the beast. Plus, it's a big reel. Yeah, it's but I mean, if you get, so that's not even the biggest one. So if you get into like the, the Toros, which are even more bulkier than the Beast, that one, like if you get like the Revo Toro Beast, that thing has a gear ratio of four, eight to one. See that, And that's like my, my jigging reels. My yeah, that's, jigging that's a saltwater reel. reel. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's most definitely what those are for. But that reel is monstrous. Like even in my hand, that thing it's like palming a basketball almost. It's, yeah. so it's got one. It's got one crank on it. It's not yep. dual. And yeah, that's interesting though that you use the beast. I like that. I like hearing that you're using the beast out there. All my reels are Abu Garcia. Everyone that I own, I'm a big fan of Abu stuff. I, you surprised me with the S though. I love the S, man. That that's absolutely one of my favorite reels. But but you turned it around whenever you said you had it precision tuned for you. So, I, mean, oh, I, I think I think that's I, the first thing that you have to do with the Revo S is is go have it tuned. All of them are like that. I mean, every one of my reels, I, I've tuned them and and really dialed them all in to you know. I mean, I I'm human, so obviously I backlash here and there, but my reels are pretty much tuned pretty good you know where i don't really have a lot of problems i can cast them a mile like i even have like the revo x that's another one of my favorites i mean entry level premium reel um 
I love the Revo X at a hundred bucks. Like, I mean, if you're looking for a premium reel, like that's an awesome reel to get. And I mean, that thing is smooth and it literally will cast a mile. It's, it's, it's got enough torque in it, enough drag that you can pretty much throw anything at it. And that's one thing about the Abu line that I like just period is that their reels are durable. Me, I, I beat the hell out of everything that I own. <laughs> and like, I still have my very first black max that I bought whenever my very first bait caster and reel, uh, rod and reel. And that thing to this day, I, it still takes every punch I throw at it. So I was about to ask, do you know what the most modded reel in America is? It's probably the Black Max. It's the Black Max. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Max. People will buy that thing for forty nine ninety nine. Yep. And they'll turn it into a BFS reel. They yep. can, you can pretty much do anything with it. There's so much different stuff out there that you can put on that reel. New handles, new spools. Everything. Upgrade the bearings. You can yep. everything. Drag washers, all of that. You can literally turn that reel into anything. So there's a tip, guys, right there for you. If you want a good solid reel for under a hundred bucks, forty nine ninety nine, Abu Garcia Black Max. You get them in the bubble packs. Yep. From Walmart. Yes, sir. And, that would uh, be great for the for the bass guys. Like I envy you guys sometimes because I see like Rod sitting in water in the kayak, or you know somebody <laughs> will be taking a picture and their whole rod will be in the stream while they're holding the fish, and I'm just cringing. I'm like, oh god, dang! Like that would not fly down here in the salt at all. It depends. If you spend three hundred dollars on your reel, you can dunk them. You can dunk. I don't want to. I've dunked every reel that I own. I mean, not not on purpose all the time, but like I dunked I've, an SX once, and after a week, I was like, "Oh, good lord, this thing what did is, I do to this thing?" It, yeah, but now I've now I've got a couple premieres, and I'm waiting for for the day when those get dunked. It'll happen. It'll happen. Chris, what are your uh, two favorite? What What are your two favorite setups? Oh, I didn't know this was a question for me, man. Yeah, it's everybody. We we got to bring in the salt water and the fresh so, water, dude. We've got listeners from all over the United States. So my uh, my absolute favorite setup is uh, since I'm like I told you guys, one trick pony here. Um, it's it's a fish sticks kitchen sink. Okay, the kitchen sink uh, rod is a rod that can throw pretty much into anything. That's why they call it the kitchen sink. Um, and I love high, high, high horsepower braid so i got like 50 pound uh <laughs> braid on my shit hey a lot of times i encounter some grass man I, and i need a saw to get through that stuff so 50 pound five strand braid the nice little saw to get through it um but i'm pairing that up i love that sx man the revo sx even though i said after i dunked it um it got a little pissy with me um, cleaned it up real good and put it right back to work. But I think I can cast that thing a good 50 yards when it's cleaned well, um, no matter what I put on the end of it. It's casting really, really well. Uh, second setup is definitely going to be a spinner. Um, I know I said earlier I don't fish with spinners that mu that often, but I always have one with me. Um, for one, because of a popping cork. Okay, and salt, us salt guys, we love popping corks. We always use them. And that's on a um, what they call the drumstick, and the drumstick is a medium heavy um, rod, and uh, I've, I think I've only got twenty pound braid on on uh, on my spinning on my spinning gear. There you go, buddy. Now everybody can go become a professional fisherman with that. 
<laughs> no, formation. they can't be professionals yet. They haven't heard mine. I gotta, oh, I gotta okay. tell you my. Two. I'll tell you exactly what Drews are. It's a pen, pen battle. Pen? No, it's not a battle. Pen <laughs> clash battle. two. Pen clash two. Twenty five hundred on a um, medium oh, light. By the fast way, sp- tip. spending I'll never, ever, 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 ever use a four thousand series ever again. I was surprised, that. Derek. You said you were using, you know, a forty was, series. Yeah. That that's a pretty that's a pretty big spinning reel. Why do you go so uh, so big with that forty? Probably line so, capacity. I, I yeah, I use it for line capacity. I also use it for the drag. Uh, you get the extra drag when you move up. I think you go from like thirteen like to fifteen pounds. Yeah, well, no, you go from like thirteen pounds up to like twenty two pounds, somewhere in that area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a considerable difference. Not to mention with that bigger spool, more line capacity, faster gear ratio, getting the line back to you quicker, getting back out there. Plus, if you use, you know, the the reels now have been basically stripped down and rebuilt, so they're super light. Uh, so you can get away with a 40 series reel or a 30 series reel that used to, you know, be 40 pounds. Now it's only, you know, eight ounces, nine ounces, you know what I mean? So... Why not you get that little bit extra drag in there, a little bit extra line capacity? Why? Because my 2000 series is like one quarter of the weight of that 4000 series now. I mean, they're, they are so light. The C6 carbon bodies and, and cranks and, you know, I mean, that stuff is light and durable. Uh, oh, but yeah. I see what you're saying. 4000 series have gotten a lot lighter than they used to be. My old Stratic that's 20 years old. I'll never pick that thing up again. It's a wall hanger now. Yeah, I mean, a That's lot of a, times, too, I, I jump out here because I live by a tidal river right here. So I jump out here and I catch striped bass on it on the same bass setup that I use, you know, for jerk baits or whatever, you know what I mean? Up to 20 pound, 25 pound bass. So, I mean, it's nice to have that little bit larger size reel. For sure, for sure. But I'm, um, I'm using 2500 Clash 2 on a medium light uh with the fast tip that's what i'm throwing my you know soft plastics on i can use it it's light enough where i can throw bugs out there i'm using the 20 pound x9 on there that's you know i only take three rods when i go maybe four whenever we're going and then my other one is the new zeta i got the zeta 30 I really like that Zeta for my popping cork. Like you were saying, it's a it's a thirty, but I believe it's like eight point two ounces. So it's it's not a, a very heavy for a larger spool on there. And then I have that on a medium heavy with a, a fast tip because I like that medium heavy with a fast tip for my popping cork because I don't have to put very much effort into getting that cork to really pop with the fast tip. Um, and I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I have the microwave guides on that popping cork rod, and those microwave guides will really, really help with eliminating wind knots. I know a lot of people think they're gimmicky, but all the rods I have built this year that have been spinning rods, 90% of them, I've put them on there, and everyone loves those microwaves on a spinning rod. It will increase your distance. I got um, microwaves on Jim. You got microwaves on Jim. <laughs> yeah. All my rods are named, by the way, guys. Yeah. My, Jim has microwave guides on it. Well, the microwaves are, I mean, look, they're not just, they're not just gimmicky. 
they do increase the distance on a spinning rod. Now, if you want to argue that they don't on a casting rod, then you know I will, I'll hear your argument because there's not that much difference between the first guide on a that's um, what it's on is casting rod. rod. Yeah, the first one on a casting rod and the uh, first guide on on a normal casting rod. rod there's born, not that much of a difference. That rod was born that way. It was it was born a little bit different. It was born with the with the micro guides on it. Don't y'all want to know why its name is Jim? Sure, I, we were all. I, I mean, we were all wondering. <laughs> I mean, it was burning, because burning in our souls. The, the manufacturer named that rod the Texas Hammer. Jim, the Jim tough, Adler. smart lawyer. Jim Adler. <laughs> Jim Adler, the Texas Hammer. There you go. Uh, right, the Massachusetts guys. Were, companies <laughs> to get you the money. You I've, I've seen the billboard. Yeah, I've have seen you? the billboard. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, so they're all over the country, Jim. aren't they? Yeah. Oh, I used to live out there, man. Oh, that's true. You were talking about being in yeah. San Antonio and going going to Corpus and things like so that. So before we move on to the next question, I gotta I gotta um and I gotta have you guys envision something. Down here on the coast, a lot of guys, especially new kayakers, whenever they first start kayaking, you know, the, the internet and interwebs and YouTube and everything is just like chock full of information. And it's sometimes useless, sometimes useful. But they get sucked into like tons of DIY stuff. And the one DIY that they all get sucked into on the coastline is leash it or lose it. Custom making all these leashes and they're leashing down everything in their kayaks. Can you imagine having 12 rods in your kayak and leashing every single one of them? No. I don't no. leash anything. I, I don't <laughs> leash anything either, man. You're like, if I, if I, I've lost a drone. I've lost all kinds <laughs> well, of I can't stuff. imagine having a leash on a drone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've lost rods and real, man, I've, I've literally cast and the rod backlash in my hand and just take it with me with it. Like, that's how I've lost stuff like that. And you're know? looking around like this going, what the yeah, hell is this happening? just man? snatch it right out of my hand, like on a cast. Like, it's happened before. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. You just charge it to the game, you know? I mean, so, obviously, you just got to get insurance on your stuff, you know? Because, I mean, nobody likes losing fishing gear. It's expensive. But it yeah, damn straight all, it is, yeah. All of those cables laying around all over the place, that's just something for you to get tangled up in if you roll over. When I when I see people use the term leash it or lose it, I'm like, oh, guys, you're going to learn and, and, and it's not going to take you long, especially if you're fishing regularly, the leash aspect of anything other than your paddle. And I don't even leash my paddle anymore. Why? Because they float, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not going to go paddle. very far. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I, I'm using a Hobie. So the paddle's usually there only to get me off of shell. Um, you know, something like that. But yeah, I can. I, whenever you said you had twelve rods, first thing that came to mind was these guys that are leashing their their rods to their their kayak. So, Chris, you you never fell for it when you first started fishing. Oh, you damn fishing? straight. Oh no, 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 guys, don't get me wrong, man. <laughs> that's why that's why we are where we are at today because we've we've progressed through all of those channels of um, you know new to to uh, you know intermediate. To advanced kayaker and i don't even say i'm really advanced yet but um we've fallen for all of it we've done all the diys i mean come on guys whenever you first bought your ascend kayak you're like shit i know these hatches are gonna leak i better find some way to seal them up i didn't do anything <laughs> to my wife's kayak she just we, it wasn't a fishing thing she just wanted something to paddle around in but like There's, 
my current boat, like I've done, all, I, well, I did, I don't have all that stuff on there now, but yeah, I mean, whenever you first get into the game, it's like, there's, there's, like you said, there's so much information out there. You get all of this stuff from different people that are, that have been on yaks for the longest amount of time. And, and you kind of just take what you think is going to fit for you. And I mean, a lot of times you think you need everything and you don't really need any of that stuff. Like I, I've slowly, but surely kind of learned to downsize my setup and, it's difficult, you know, because I'm a person that like, I like to have everything at my fingertips when I need it. So like, I usually at my tackle crate is full of stuff. Like I have everything that anyone could possibly need. And I may not ever turn around not one time and get anything out of my tackle crate. But like, yeah. um, like he said, it's like, I have, like he carries 12 rods or 11 rods with him. I usually have nine to 11 rods with me at any given time as well because i mean you I, guys just don't like tying knots do you like it, bass fishermen uh, do not want to tie a knot they do not have time hey, to tie knots i told to you everything ready to go i told you there there is a specific line rod reel every, i mean it matches that bait that's tied on at the end of the of the of the line man everything from there to there that kinetic chain has to work perfectly for these guys sometimes not always it, it depends like i mean some some people are a little bit more simplistic than that um and a lot of people i think are are trying to get to that point of simplicity just because i mean it is a lot of stuff to carry around all the time i mean like when you think about it like just the sheer weight of a kayak alone these days especially when you get into a good fishing platform they're heavy i mean you think a hobie is 140 pounds the big fish 120 that i'm in right now is 105 pounds with nothing on it with nothing in it it weighs 105 pounds and this is a paddle kayak not a pedal so it's like you know then you you throw in 11 rods on top of that a tackle crate with you know four plano boxes full of everything and then you've got packs of baits and everything else that you can think you got fish finder battery there's it's just so much stuff and i mean whenever you think about just the average trip that you're going out on i mean that's a lot of stuff to pack around i mean and when we typically go out we're out all day so we'll go out from the time the sun comes up to the time the sun goes down and we're on the water the entire time so that's why me personally i like to have everything in my, in my fingertips but Here's there's a probably lot of i don't ever use any of it Here's probably the most important question that wasn't written down in the script that we could ask this whole entire podcast. What's the one piece of advice that you'd give a new kayaker? Because we do have a lot of new kayakers that listen to the show. What is the one piece of advice that you would tell them? Take this advice. If you get take anything from the show, take this advice right here. Always work as many kayaks as you can. What's that? <laughs> I said, demo as many kayaks as you can to find the one that fits you the best. Yeah. Uh, uh, like at a demo day, go to a demo day and, and yeah, I mean, any, any local dealer that, that is pretty much worth anything will let you try a kayak before you buy it. Um, and if not, there's usually a team guy, no matter what kayak company you're looking at. If you do your research, you can find a guy that is a pro staff for that company or whatever, and will let you demo that kayak because What's a worthy demo? Be, Five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes? 
I have as long as they'll this. let you take it. I I do tons of demos. I have people that come to my house and pick up my kayaks and take them for two, three days sometimes. I want you to put all your stuff in there. I want yeah. you to take it out. Make sure that you're comfortable with what you have. I mean, you're investing money in this. You know what I mean? I mean it may not be a hundred thousand dollar bass boat, but you're, you know, you're ranging from fifteen hundred to four thousand dollars, depending on a, you know, a kayak that you're wanting to fish out of. Um, better take it out and use it. Make sure it's what you're looking for. Awesome. I like that answer. And what was yours? Always wear a PFD, man. That that's Definitely. my number one number one thing for me is is don't be a dumbass wear a pfd man you have no idea how many people i see i mean and i get it you know pfds are not always the most comfortable thing on the planet to wear but they will absolutely 100 percent of the time save your life in in a bad situation and and it is that is the number one most important piece of equipment on that kayak absolutely you should be wearing at all times as a pfd chris what's yours well, hold up. I, I, we were still talking about PFD. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what like, PFD do you recommend? A hundred percent. Me personally, I'm a big fan of the NRS Chinook or the NRS Raku. Um, I, I love both of those PFDs. They're extremely comfortable. What about inflatables? That's what I, I wear. I'm a bigger yeah, guy, so I I can't really say that I trust an inflatable for a person of my stature, just because I mean the average inflatable. Um, PFD is not very big. I mean, they, they may be pretty buoyant. I don't know, but I do trust my my Raku and my Chinook. So um, I don't mean I don't, to knock you, man, but I think inflatables are a horrible idea for kayaks. Anyway, go back. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> but um, that those are my two recommendations: the NRS Chinook and the NRS Raku. The Raku is a newer one. Um, I think it just came out last year. Uh, the Chinook has been around. It's probably one of the most popular. It, uh, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, PFDs on the market. Inflatables. And the reason why I say inflatables are a horrible idea is because, especially for newbie kayakers, it's a one and done. Okay. As soon as that thing pops off, no matter if you, uh, now if you're using auto inflatables, it's a one and done. Um, Uh If you're, and, and they, they're not going to go, the manual inflatables are not going to go off accidentally. Auto inflatables go off accidentally all the time. I've never yeah. had that happen. Really? Me? Oh, yeah, me so that, it's funny you bring that up, though, because a buddy of mine, we actually went out um, his first time actually uh, kayak fishing uh, about two weeks ago, actually. He bought an inflatable, uh, an auto inflatable um, PFD, and we got out there, and he ended up, it was a really crazy windy day. You know, first first time in a kayak, this is prob- This is the day you go, you know, to get your, your legs in a boat. You know, it's like, 20 mile power winds it's it's whipping we're gonna test you today yeah it was crazy crazy the lake is full of grass so you know if you fall into this stuff you're getting sucked in and trying to get out of that um and he ended up rolling you know while we were out there on the thing i mean he was he wasn't only he was only in about six to eight feet of water so it wasn't as bad but as soon as he hit that water i mean boom that vest popped and he's paddling back across the lake with his, you know, his blown up vest and he was pretty much if, if i hadn't had an extra pfd with me he would have basically been screwed for the rest of the day you know so and, and, this, and i gotta take it back what i said it's not a one and done like you've got to throw it in the trash type thing right no yeah, yeah. It's one and you done buy for a the new, day. yeah you gotta buy a new cartridge for the day though it's like it's like this thing okay now i gotta wear this thing that's you know i can't even turn my head um while i'm out here fishing um but I wear inflatables on my boat. When I'm on my boat, I have 
um, three inflatables, but I actually had one go off in the hatch, just sitting in the hatch, man. Had and too much water in the hatch. There was no water in the hatch. So just all of a sudden we're like, we're like, what the hell is that? And then I like the I like the inflatable man. I I wear an inflatable. They're comfortable. Because they are very the, comfortable. It's comfortable and the best life jacket that you can have is the one that you're gonna wear. And True. for me, I'm gonna wear the inflatable every time I go out. I mean, I. I rarely wore my life jacket whenever I had uh, just the non-inflatable. I mean, I can I can admit that I've I've seen the 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 light now though, so I wear the inflatable. And I don't know if it's just because my belly is so big, I have a built-in <laughs> splash guard that it do, it don't get up to where the sensors are. But I've never had one go off on me. How long have yeah. you been wearing one, Derek? The the inflatable. Oh, I've been forever i guess i mean um tournament fishing for the last three years that's all i've ever worn i've never had one go off and i mean i'm in that kayak i I couldn't even tell you how many times a week a lot almost every day i mean but i think we can all agree wear the one that you're comfortable with and that you're oh absolutely yeah Yeah. the one that's not on you doesn't do you any good that's for sure absolutely none at all and chris I couldn't help but think when you were talking about leash it or lose it. Well, no, let me let me go back. What would be since you told me to shut my mouth earlier? <laughs> what would be your your advice? Because I know what mine is. What's yours? And I think I've said it on the podcast before, but um, my number one piece of advice for a new kayaker is do not modify your kayak in any way for at least four to six months of usage. Okay. Uh-huh. The, the worst thing you can do is just start drilling holes all over in it and adding all sorts of crap all over it. You would, you'd be surprised how little you honestly need while you're out there on the water. Yeah, I was going to say that. That was going to be mine too. Don't buy, don't buy anything for your kayak for the, like the first five, six trips that you go out. Like don't, don't buy maybe a rod holder. One that you can move around, but don't buy anything. Have the bare minimums and then see what you need that's going to make your day out there a little bit easier. But only if it's one that you can move around. Round in. Move around in. But you were were talking about the leash it or lose it. There may or may not be a picture of me fishing offshore. And I really didn't want to. Different story, man. Didn't want to lose any rods. I leash my stuff offshore. I had, this was my first time offshore, I had a full-size pool noodle that I cut into about a 12-inch piece that I had on my rod right there above the reel seat, and I had it taped on with some bright, shiny chrome duct tape, because I was like, if I'm going to drop it, I want to be able to see it. I was really thinking this through. Is this that day when we were out there and you caught that spinner? Yes. Yes, this is my first time offshore with you that. You didn't even have your damn your your uh, anchor or anything. No, I had an anchor. The the very Something first was wrong with it. Though. No, the very first drop. So we paddle out there. I get my this anchor was like, ready. This was like eight or nine years ago, guys. Yeah, this is my first time offshore, and we paddle off. We, we get to where we're gonna stop. I get my anchor. I throw it off the side. You know what I didn't do? 
I didn't hook anything to my kayak. I just threw that son of a shit off the side. Didn't hook up a carabiner or nothing. We ain't been in the water 15 minutes, and now I don't have an anchor. I don't have I don't have anything. So luckily, Micah felt sorry for me, and he's like, "Dude, take my anchor," because he had been offshore, uh, you know, a, a lot more than me. And he said, "Take my anchor, but make sure you clip it to your anchor trolley." And I'm gonna go buy a new anchor, and I'll be back out here later. But yes, that was. That was that day. Um, so number one advice for new kayakers, clip your anchor to your kayak before you throw it in the water. How about just, just have a plan, man? Yeah, ha- have a better plan than that. We got a few more questions here. We've been going a little while. So we'll start with Derek. Derek, you are a known tournament guy. So I know that there's going to be a lot of people that want to hear this answer because like we said earlier, this is, you know, is this the second year in a row you're going to the 10 Invitational? Or has it uh, been the split ten, up? The 10, yeah, yeah. Yeah, going to the 10, second year in a row, so this man knows what he's talking about. So when you're targeting new-to-you waters, how much water do you normally cover when scouting, and how do you go about targeting those waters? I mean, are you looking at Facebook groups? Everybody's using Google Maps. So if you have anything special with Google Maps that you want to let anybody in on, tell us about that. Are you, like, checking out Facebook groups? Are you talking to local fishermen? You know, what are you doing to some newer-to-you waters whenever you're fishing a tournament or you're fishing in that area? Yeah, so, I mean, those are all very good questions. Uh, So, yeah, I use Google Earth a whole bunch. Um, mainly to find ramps uh, in the kayak world, you know, where you're kind of limited to where you can get to. So finding ramps for potential areas is huge. Um, And if you use Google Earth, you can find a lot of offshore stuff. I'm an offshore fisherman. I love to fish offshore. I love to get away from the bank. Everybody beats the bank. I like to get out, get away from people. And a lot of times you can find spots just from satellite photos. You know, you get I don't know how how high up those photos are taken, but you can see rock piles offshore, sunken islands, things like that. So, yeah, I do a lot of research as far as that goes. And that's another thing, research. I mean, I probably do an hour to two hours of research every single day um, on upcoming tournaments. And it starts, I mean, I've been doing it now for my whole tournament lineup for this season already, I'm already researching stuff that I'll be looking at in June, July, you know, so Navy Onyx is a great app. If you don't have it on your phone um, to find, you know, underwater points, it's got all the topography and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, Facebook groups are great. You can't pretty much, sometimes you got to filter your information you get from those because you know, there's, there's people out there that just throw out these wild things, but um you know, networking and also not being afraid of giving information back. I get a lot of people that call me all the time. Where are you going to do on this? Or have you ever been to this part of this lake? And, you know, I'm honest most of the time and just say, you know, I've been there, caught fish there, you know, whatever. I'm not going back or it might be, a, you know, something to think about. But I like um, how you said most of the time you're honest well, most mean, of the time. You know, I, I, I invest a lot of money into this. I, I, I travel all over the country fishing, you know what I mean? I'm competitive, Mm -hmm. you know, like Brandon said earlier, I'm probably one of the most competitive people that I know. Um, I do it because I love it, but I also love the challenge of fishing against a hundred other guys or whatever, a hundred other guys and ladies. 
Um, we're seeing a lot more ladies in the sport now. I, I guess I invest a lot of time in researching the lakes that I'm going to talk to local anglers, call up a local bait shop, ask them, you know, that specifically that time of year that you're going, you know, what, what should I be looking for? What are the fish biting down there? And that kind of might give you a baseline to go off of. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Facebook, social media, um, you can find out a lot of information, a lot. YouTube is another great one. If you've never been to a place, you type in the lake that you're going to, I guarantee you some somebody has recorded themselves catching a bass on that lake. And Then next you know, thing you know, you're on Google Maps. You're trying to match structure. To, I've done it. I've done it a hundred times. I see that house. I know that house. I, you can zoom down and walk down the street now on Google Earth on the street view and find that house and look out behind it and see the brush pile out there. One of our one of our buddies I've done it. Austin Dawkins, he uh he claims that that I have access to NASA satellites. <laughs> he's like cuz you can like, pick it out. Bro, how in the hell did you know that we were there? And I was like, dude, you see those two palm trees right there behind you? You see that power pole right there behind you? Yeah, all I have to do is look for those two things on Google Maps. I know which bay you were at because you said I was yep. going to such and such a bay. Now I know exactly where you put in it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you can do that. It's very simple. I mean, uh, I've done it. I'm, you know, some people say, oh, I'd never do that. I guarantee you, you ever see an iconic thing in the background like, oh, I know where that is. I'm going there. You know what I mean? Um, I've done it. Other people do it. People do it to me all the time. Hey, I saw that picture you posted. I saw the background. I know where you're fishing. Okay, great. You're still going to catch them. Research so, is research uh, is research. Yeah. yeah I mean, and you still have is. to go catch the fish. You still right. have to be able to put the line in the water, but, you know, make the lure yep. do its thing. And, and then you were saying about covering water. I cover, you know, I, I have a trolling motor on my kayak, so I cover a ton of water during every practice period during every tournament um but i cover the water and i find specific spots and then if you can find a specific pattern you can apply that pattern to that spot anywhere on the lake and catch those same fish obviously different fish but catch fish in that same manner so pay attention to the patterns pay attention to where you're catching them the depth everything now you're saying a ton of water is that 15 miles is that 20 20 miles? 25 yeah, 20, 20, 25 miles yep. in a day. At now least, we, we, yeah. We asked Drew on the, the last episode, have you ever pulled the old switcheroo when you're pre-fishing and parked your vehicle at a different launch than where you were actually fishing so guys would think that you're fishing there? I, I've got a guy that travels with me all the time. He's my best friend. We recently went down and fished the KBF National Championship down at Lake Gunnersville. So him and I travel together. I have the the truck with the trailer and stuff so we fit the kayaks and all the stuff he was taking my truck and dropping me off at my spot and parking at his spot and then i would take the truck and park at my spot drop him off at his spot so people have no idea where we're fishing people think i'm fishing over there but it ain't me it's him or they think it's him and it's me over here um which he ended up winning the national championship i ended up coming in third so it really didn't matter but well, hell, it sounds like you could have fished by either one of y'all and did well. If we one were got first about, and one got third. Yeah, right. yeah, we were fishing about two miles apart, but two different bays, you know what I mean? So, And then we actually, a third a third buddy of mine that came with us, too, we were dropping him off way down at the other end. We were fishing in the north end of Gunnersville, and we were dropping him off at the south end and then driving all the way to the north end. So it was crazy, but, yeah, I mean, 
people will look for your van. I mean, I just my van go. I'm actually just bought a new vehicle to just just for tournaments. So that's going in to get wrapped actually this weekend. So yeah, I mean, people will follow that thing all around. I gotta I gotta ask you. You say way over on the other side. How far is way over? Fifty miles, sixty miles. Okay, that's that's a decent. Yeah, that's Gunnersville is huge. Yeah, yeah. Gunnersville is huge. So I was about to say, yeah, we. In order for us to pull the switcheroo, it's like, yeah, drop a truck off at such and such bay and drive an hour to the next. Yeah, bay. we were driving an hour and a half, dropping him off, driving yeah. an hour and a half north. Yeah, y'all are good friends. I ain't driving an hour and a half for none of my fishing buddies. <laughs> he won't even drive that. an yeah, hour gonna, and a half. <laughs> you gonna he's fish like, with us? That's like you gonna fish. <laughs> and he, not only that, but he's like, can you pick me up? Yeah, come pick me up. Where, where, oh, it's, where it's the worst. Fish? It's the worst when you're the first guy getting dropped off. You get dropped off at two in the morning at a pitch dark ramp. I, I was, I was uh, fishing uh, on the north end of the lake, and there isn't. There's no. It's down the end of this dirt road. There's no lights, no houses, or anything for like a mile. It dropped me off in the middle of the swamp up there at two a.m. Just sit in your kayak on the shore <laughs> waiting for light to launch. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it sucks being the first guy out. <laughs> Chris, I may have to take back. I'm reconsidering this bass fishing thing. We're talking about $350 baits, 2 o'clock in the morning launches. Uh, Entry fees aren't know. cheap either, man. Yeah, Let's I know. I'm, I'm cheap, my, man. I'm cheap. My buddy Matt won sixty grand when we were at Gunnersville. See, the, che- the checks are big, but, man, you got to beat out 300, 400 other people. It's possible. Ooh. I mean... How bad do you want it? Yeah, risk that versus problem. reward, bro. I don't want it that bad, though. That's the thing. Like that's why I'm reconsidering. I See, that's know. me. The more people you can put in there, the better I feel. Like, like I'm I'm competitive. I want to fish against 150, 250, 350 guys every time out. It's not possible, but you know, at least I I love it when the field's 100 plus. You know. Yeah, because the, there's there's less opportunity for a smaller group of people to catch bigger fish right so in the kayak tournament scene you're you're it's not by weight it's by length that's right so if you got 300 people fishing in one tournament that's less fish on the board of substantial length would give which kind of it doesn't give you better odds but it feels better i would say probably now i can't say per se for for certain because i haven't fished a tournament yet i'm fishing my first one on the 30th but that's the way I would think of it. I'd rather fish against a bunch of people versus like twenty people. I'd rather fish. So you're, you're saying the field is going to be stacked with all these people that are that are real low. Like like the bulk of the people that with their fish are going to be smaller lengths all the way down the board, and then you'll have this big chunk up here at the top of of dudes with. You'll have less people catching longer fish just because right. there's more people fishing. So you know there if that, there's that's kind less, of what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> less to get people, there's more opportunity for people to catch more longer fish. So, because I mean, they may be in the right spot. They may otherwise the fish gets spread more across the board. You may have a guy that's got two fish over 24 inches versus one guy that's got five fish over 24 inches. You know what I mean? So, I guess I'm a different kind of competitive. Like Derek's talking about traveling, you know, all across the country and two o'clock in the morning and 12 rods to beat out 300 anglers. Like, I don't know if I'm that competitive. I'm competitive. Like when it we're comes at to food, when it comes. No, to man. Food. Well, no, 
I'm talking about like if we were all playing Papa Shot or something like that, I would try to smoke every one of y'all and we would play until I ended up being the winner and and I would just wear you down to to win at that or if we were at the arcade playing a racing game, I would want to win every single one of those th- those races, but I just don't when it comes to money, man, I'm I guess I'm just frugal. I don't I don't like I don't want to be competitive with my money. I don't like donating. I had to learn how to become competitive um, in in fishing, and it took it took Tilly um, to that's that's my partner from a couple years back. I thought that was going to be another one of your fishing rods. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us why it's called Tilly. Tilly. (laughs) Yeah, it took it took my partner Tilly, um, Scott Tilly. He it took him to teach me how to become competitive, and and I'm I'm still I still have problems with it sometimes because. you know, there's a certain competitive spirit, but there's also just being outright dick, and uh, I have sure. a, I have a hard time figuring out where that line's at, man. Uh, most of the time, I'm just I'm, I'm the dick. <laughs> well, you're a dick without being competitive. Uh, there's, sometimes. Hey, there's always <laughs> there's, gonna be one, right? Yeah, that's true. That's I true. don't mean to be, fellas. Look, it's just the way <laughs> I was raised. <laughs> what about you, Brandon, man? You're going into new waters. How how are you approaching it? How are, how are you trying to have the best day out there? So the same with Derek. You know, I do a lot of research. Um, Google Earth is a is a one of my f- best friends. YouTube University is another big thing. Um, but for me, like I'm with me and the, my current boat situation is I'm not in a pedal kayak. You know, I'm not in like a Hobie or a, a Jackson or something that has pedals. You know, so I'm mo- I'm paddling. So I'm really kind of at I'm limited to how much water I can cover by how far I'm willing to paddle. And the way that I, I kind of mitigate that is, is I like to break large bodies of water down into thirds. So um, like I'll look at, at the lake on a map and I'll break the lake down into three equal parts. And then from there, if those parts are still massive, I'll break, I'll choose one of those three parts, basically eliminating dead water for me. I'm looking for types of structure, um, you know, obviously a a launch area that's potentially either close or in that area that can get me to the spots the fastest, Um, depending on time of year, um, what obviously what that water looks like as far as what is in the area, uh, potential areas for bait fish to be, um, you know, uh, creek cuts, fingers, things like that, um, shallow flats, whatever. Um, and then if those areas, so once I, I narrow down those three equal parts, I'll pick one of those three parts. And if that part is still monstrous, I'll break that down into another third, uh, three equal parts. And then I'll choose one of those three parts to hit. And then we kind of just pick that, that, spot apart you know we literally leave no stone unturned no bush unflipped and we just literally just beat everything to death and if we have the time we'll we'll move on to another third and then just kind of just keep on breaking it down that way and i mean again because like i mean we're talking about like large large reservoirs like you know twenty-six thousand acres and up you know on average we're typically fishing stuff that's under two thousand acres um, we find a lot of the smaller stuff because it's just easier to cover that in a pat in a pedal kayak or in a paddle kayak. Um, once I obviously move into my my new boat here in a few more weeks, um, 
I'll definitely be fishing a lot more bigger water um, and covering a lot more water more effectively and uh, more efficiently. So um, looking forward to that. But um, that's really kind of how I, I break down, you know, new bodies of water is I, I'm looking for, you know, I use, like I said, Google Earth, YouTube. Um, I talk to people that have been there before. Um, we have, a, you know, just being in this, this industry um, and, you know, having the type of social media following that I have, it's always easy to find people that have been somewhere before. You know, I'm always getting recommendations from people. Hey man, you need to go fish this place or you need to go do this or blah, 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 blah. Or, Hey, if you're ever out this way, give me a holler. So, you know, there's always something that I can rely on for, for information about certain places. And um, so it does make it a little bit easier versus just going into something blind. I mean, we've been to some places where we don't know anything about it and it's literally just like, you know, it's just ridiculous going out there. You know nothing about it whatsoever. And um, you just got to figure it out, you know, and it's it's just kind of just kind of get back to the basics and, you know, just keep it simple. You know, you don't don't overthink it and just kind of just go out there and just do what you know how to do. And that's just it. Are you are you are you Derek and Brandon? This is for both of you guys. Are you guys taking people up on taking people up on those offers? Because I know a lot of times it's it's just kind of a you might end up with a don brazos <laughs> that's that's true but you know a lot of times <laughs> there's a lot of guys that say hey if you're ever in my area give me a call and and let's go out and fish and let's do this are, are you guys going on trips like that to learn new water are you you know cashing cashing that in sometimes i mean yeah. i i mean yeah i mean i i, I think i put on like 20 something thousand miles last year on the tournament trail. So any opportunity you get to fish with somebody that, you know, knows the waters or whatever, I'm usually there a week or a week and a half before any tournament that I go to. So I try and get as many days in pre-fishing. So I usually hit, you know, if somebody offers something like that, I'll hit them up and say, Hey, you know, like I'm down here. If you're in this area, let's go out and hit the water or whatever, you know? Same for me. It's like, I, I'm a big fan of just, I like to fish. So, I mean, I like meeting new people and then collaborating with others. I mean, so, I mean, for me, it's any opportunity to fish with somebody that's, that has the same mindset as me that enjoys fishing, chasing an adventure. And especially if they have a kayak, I'm definitely down with it, especially if it's somewhere new that I've never been. So, I mean, well, you've always got an open invite down here. I'm definitely going to, there's plans to get down that way uh, this year, actually. Um, Fish some salt. Yeah, most definitely, man. We definitely want to get down there and um, chase some reds, man, in the flats. That's that's one of the things that's on the bucket list for this year. That's a perfect transition. Bucket list for this year. I want to start with Chris because he probably doesn't have anything ready for this. So that's why I'm going to start with him. Chris, 2021 fishing goals. What kind of fishing goals do you have for this year? Man, um, finished my license. Finished my classes get my uh, captain's license and get that rolling man it's uh i've been i've been putting that on the back burner since i was 18 years old <laughs> it's always something you've been wanting to do always something i've wanted to do man you know i'm not even supposed to be in texas i'm supposed to be in orange beach alabama and uh but i i decided to have a family instead so um this is this is where i'm at now and it's it's time my family is is grown um my kids are out of the house uh, it's time for me to go ahead and put that, that dream to work, man. That That's kind of like me with the rod building. I've always wanted to build rods and always wanted to build rods. And 
I didn't start building rods until I started building rods. You know, it, yeah. it was just yeah, something you just gotta, that just gotta I do finally it. wanted to do it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess now's the time. This is when I'm going to do it. Because I don't think there's ever a, a right time to, to start something. You just have to do it. Like, you, you have to set your mind to doing it. But for 2021, for me, as far as my fishing goals, I really want to fish freshwater more because I literally can walk down the street to Lake Conroe and fish Lake Conroe, but I choose to drive two and a half hours down to the coast to taste redfish. But I really want to fish um, bass tournaments more, and then I want to tease this, but I don't know how to tease it, so I'm not going to say anything else. But there, there are some more 2021 goals that Is you that guys are going to hear right about. There? That was yeah. the tease. That was it. You guys so, are going to hear more about the uh, 2021 goals for for Drew here. Pretty pretty. So I saw soon. some. I saw some pictures of uh, Brandon um, whipping around the some flies. Man, that's actually going to be uh, my clientele. It will be fly fishermen. Um, but dude, I just don't know about having a dude that's seven foot on the, on the deck, man. I'm going to have to see. <laughs> hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty decent at whipping the bug. I haven't got anything on it yet, but I can whip it. Well, uh, when you come down, man, I'll, I, I'm willing to put you on the deck and, and see how we do, but I don't know if I'll be able to see over you. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, down. what about you, man? 2021. What are your fishing goals for 2021? Well, first goal is the same goal as always, make it back to the 10. Because if you can make it back to the 10, then you've done extremely well for the year. So that's my goal every year starting out. And, and I'd like to win Angler of the Year this year. Uh, that would be probably my second goal. It's very opposite ends of the spectrum on here today, guys. Derek is in the 10. He wants to win the 10. He wants Angler of the Year. And I'm over here just like, I want to fish my first tournament. I want, <laughs> I, want, I want to try not to skunk out there whenever I go bass fishing. Brandon, what about you, man? What are your 2021 fishing goals? Man, I have a lot. But um, really for me, primarily this year, you know, 2020 was kind of tough, you know, as far as what I wanted to accomplish, mind you, I did accomplish a ton in 2020. Um, I really want to chase some new species this year. I want to get out and do some more traveling around the country. Um, I'm looking forward to potentially doing um, chasing some muskie this year um, and, and around the April time frame out in Tennessee. Definitely really excited about that. Um, doing some more river fishing. So I plan on getting down south um, this year um, and doing like a whole river series. I want to get down there and hit the Frio, the Blanco. Um, some other big ones down there, the Guad, and, and do a lot of that stuff. Um, the Devil's River is a big one that's on the list for this year. Dude. I don't know if we're going to be able to pull off the Devils because, I mean, logistically, it takes a lot to do that river. So that may be a 2022 uh, trip. But I'm just going to tag along with some. I'm going to find somebody that's going, and I'm just going to be like, look, you got room for one more? <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I've been talking to a lot of guys that run the Devils, and um, they're – always like man do we do it every year you know you're welcome what about the frio you ever think about doing the frio i, am I mean not frio. the frio the um the pecos the pecos yeah the pecos frio blanco all of those rivers are on the list of ones that we want to try to hit and um so it's really just kind of figuring out logistically and time frame when we want to do those but for me biggest thing this year is really just you know just keep pushing and expanding my brand as big as i can get it you know i mean it's it's not about really you know just you know the aspect of 
having the brand and, you know, just being that guy. It's really just about, you know, just continuing to inspire others to, you know, to get out here and enjoy the outdoors and fishing and kayak fishing as much as possible and chase and seek those adventures. So, so it, I drew hush it. Um, <laughs> I was ready. You, you saw me, my eyes were glimmering. Okay, the, the, go my, ahead, go they ahead. weren't open wide enough to just glimmer don't that to, much, don't, but they don't were glimmering. The, don't get to the outro yet because I've got uh, something going on. Oh no. I had one more question where he was talking about building the brand. We teased it at the very beginning. You've got 25,000 Instagram followers. Uh, you've only been doing the kayak fishing for about, you said, two years. Two years. I started How long, in September 2018. When did the Instagram start? For September for, 17th, 2018. <laughs> okay, so the same time. Yeah. So what kind of advice can you give other anglers that are looking to grow their brand, that are looking to... Um, up their Instagram game um, that are looking to just get some kind of traction on social media. It's just really what it really boils down to is just being authentic. You know, I mean, that's that's where I think a lot of people get caught up in is is that they get caught up in the numbers. You know, they see a lot of you know different content creators that are out here that are growing faster than others that maybe doing X Y Z or they're working with so and so, and then they kind of lose sight of of why they want you know, to, to grow their brand or why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, they, they fall out of the realm of, of being real and authentic with what they're doing. You know I mean? They lose that sense of integrity. So for me, a lot of the advice comes down to it. It's not always about the fish, you know, it's really about, you know, kind of telling your story, conveying that to people in a way where they receive it and it inspires them you know, to want to follow your journey, you know, and, and I think that's one of the biggest parts for me is, you know, I, I know I don't have the biggest platform out there, you know, I mean, would I love to have a million followers, a hundred thousand followers, of course, but at the end of the day, it's not really about the followers to me. It's about, you know, having people that 100% genuinely rock with my brand, you know, they believe in my vision and they, they believe in what I'm doing. And those are the kind of people that I want following me. And those are the people that, you know, I'm glad that I have that follow me because I mean, they, they really and truly love what I do. They love what I'm about, you know, TBFD as a whole, you know, I mean, my name is Brandon Mays, you know, my name is not that bass fishing dude, but I mean, I am that bass fishing dude, but at the end of the day, anybody can be that bass fishing dude. You know, it's not about, you know, just carrying that moniker and being that person. But I mean, it, it kind of embodies something that's bigger than just fishing. You know, the TBFD it's the lifestyle, brand, yeah, it's the, the lifestyle. lifestyle, the lifestyle TBFD brand, everything about it is about the, this growing the community as a whole and, you know, making it better for the anglers of, you know, tomorrow, you know, the next generation out there. And that's why I'm so big into community service, you know, giving back to the community. You know, last year we did um, a huge autism awareness campaign because, you, you know, many people may or may not know, but my son has autism. So, you know, I did a, um, a benefit t-shirt last year where we donated 100% of those profits um, to a local um, autism chair uh, nonprofit that's here in DFW. Uh, we generated a $1,000 donation for that nonprofit and um, off the sale of that t-shirt. And I plan on doing that again this year, partnering with them again. And um, we'll kick that off in March, April timeframe, because April is Autism Awareness Month. So we'll probably kick that off in March and we'll start pushing that sh uh, another shirt out, a limited edition t-shirt out. And we'll donate those profits to the um, 
that that nonprofit again this year. But again, you know, community is a big part of, you know, getting kids involved in fishing, you know, cleaning up, you know, we, I mean, I can't even tell you how many places, how many places have we pulled up to and it's just trashed, you know what I mean? I carry trash bags with me everywhere I go, you know, and that way whenever I'm out on the water, I can, I can clean up these areas and make it cleaner and better for the people that come out behind me, you know, leave it better than you found it. So, you know, going, going back to, you know, you asked the question, how do you, um, what advice do you have for people to grow your Instagram or social media? I think the number one thing is not necessarily be genuine or be authentic is you actually have to like social media. Yeah. I mean, it's not even just that. I mean, like, I mean, cause I'll be realistic. I mean, I'll be straight up and honest with you. Like I don't, I'm not on social media all day long. That's not, that's, that's a very common misconception that you have to be on social media all day long. You spend a hundred percent of your time on social media. That's not the case at all. It's just really about spending the time that you are on social media wisely, you know, less time scrolling and more time, you know, posting, you know, because at the end of the day, it's really about, getting more and more content out there into the the universe around you because the the thing is is like if you look at it from the aspect of if i'm posting one time a week and i've got a thousand followers they're they're following you know two thousand other people 300 other people their content is in front of their eyes you know more than mine is you you want your content in front of people's eyes more than anything so posting three to five times a day throughout the day is going to have your content in front of somebody all hours of the day and night no matter what it is but at the same time you want to make sure that you're posting quality content you know it's like you know and and another big part about it is 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 ensuring that the content that you're posting self-identifies to you you know make it identifiable to you you know give give your content a certain look and feel and style that way whenever somebody sees it on the explore page they know oh that's brandon's stuff that's tbfd's stuff because my stuff stands out you know whenever you think about it you scroll down the explore page you'll see a thousand different pictures of fishing stuff and they all look the same you they're know, all the hero shot yeah, right there with the fish. There's only so many hero shots that you can post. Yeah, and you don't know whose is whose. You don't know who's posting this. You know, it's always just the same stuff. So it's like find ways to make your content stand out. And and that's really how I've been able to find success in, you know, doing what I've been able to, to accomplish is, is just giving my content a sense of identity so that it's identifiable to me so that people know whenever they scroll past something on the explore feed if they're not following me or if they are following me they know oh that's a tvfd post and they'll go and interact with it your captions are a really important part as well is is create captions that draw engagement that make people want to engage with them you know because that's a big part of the growth is, is getting people to actually engage with your content ask a lot of questions ask uh, questions well, you simple said, question you on said there, it man. at the very beginning there after i, I made mention of uh, actually having to like social media <laughs> you have a few different types of users you've got scrollers like you said somebody sitting there just scrolling and then you have influencers right people that are actually putting the content out there i have an instagram page personal instagram page i have a personal facebook page you know what i always consider those family photo books yep. that's it mm-hmm. you know I, I i do not take a an interest now i'm probably much older than you guys are too i don't take an interest in 
the social media. My wife is the one that was like, you got to get a Facebook page. (laughs) (laughs) Derek, are you a big social media guy? Uh, I try to be, but um, I'm nowhere close to (laughs) (laughs) 25,000. When you're growing a brand, I think it's important, man. It's very yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Whenever I started this, it wasn't it wasn't my intentions to grow a brand. You know, in the beginning, I wanted to be a YouTuber. You know, I mean, I'm 35 years old. I'll be 36 in two weeks. You know, so it's happy early birthday, man. Appreciate it, man. But um, like you know, when I started this, it wasn't my goal or intention to grow a brand. You know, I was just looking at other people that were in the YouTube fishing scene at the time two years ago, before this all of this stuff really kind of blew up the way that it is now where everybody's fishing and making YouTube videos. And I was like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. I can do that. I could be a YouTuber. You know, I like the aspect of creating content and creating videos and editing and all that stuff. I can make YouTube videos. Well, I found out really quickly, you know, once I started doing that, that I really didn't want to actually be a YouTuber. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm not in this for the check, you know, for the money, you know, obviously I've made money doing this. I make money doing this, but that's not my goal is to, is to make a million dollars. Is this this. your profession? No, I, I I work at the corporate headquarters for Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. (laughs) (laughs) My, my day-to-day job. They need to chill out on that sauce a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you shut your mouth. You shut your whore (laughs) mouth right now. So my day, my day to day -day profession is I'm an IT security professional. So that's, I've been doing that for over 16 years. So that's what I do as, as a day job, you know, fishing is my hobby. Is it something that I would love to do as a full-time thing? Absolutely. I would love to be able to just wake up every day and go fishing and, and create content and be paid from that. And I, and I think that that is a goal of mine to get there at some point, but I mean, there's a long way to go for that. And, um, like I said, there's I, a long it, way to go if you want to live as comfortably as you live now. Well, you know, there's <laughs> only there's only yeah. one way to, to be a millionaire while fishing. Yeah, start be with a, two be a billionaire. Yeah, be a billionaire first. <laughs> so, and Derek, I mean, the way that you talk, you sound like you're you're doing nothing but fishing all the time. Oh, I, I still have a full time job. Okay, and that's doing. I mean, I'm just curious. You know. Oh, so I I actually work for um, social services agency up here in the Northeast. Um, I'm the maintenance manager. I manage like 15 group homes up here. So I know that we're going to get to the outros here, um, but I've got I've got something I got to add first before we get to them. All right, um, go ahead. Now it's your show, Brandon. Brandon's talking about building his brand, you know, um, and and guys, uh, we mentioned it at the very beginning. We didn't put a whole lot into it, but this dude's pretty tall, man, and my son's pretty tall. He's like six foot four which is tall for a, a Mexican Irish dude. Okay. For, for being Mexican and Irish, he should be like four foot tall with a drinking problem by now, but you're seven foot tall. And I put together a list of questions that people probably ask you on a regular basis. And they ask it to you just like this. This is how I imagine it. How tall are you? And they ask it to you like you don't even really know. Why do they have an accent? Why does everybody have an accent? <laughs> Why can't they just be but, normal? And but then but then after after he you know this is me like running this through my head, man. After they ask that question, you know, and that he answers it, are you really that tall? Is that what they is that what they say? Yeah. Yep. See, they're like, are you really that tall? And then they got to ask that stupid ass question. Well, how's the weather up there? 
man, I, I've gotten that. So really funny story. When I was in high school, um, one of my coaches was the same height as me. I was when I was in a ninth grade, I was six, eight. Yeah, six, eight when I was in the ninth grade. And one of my, my coaches was the same exact height as me. And he used to always tell me, he's like, man, he's like, when I was your age, man, somebody, when I was in high school, he got in trouble. He's like, a, a kid asked me one time, man, how's the weather up there? He said he spit on him and he told him it was it's raining. raining. <laughs> <laughs> so after and, uh, that one, you know, then they, they've got to come up with the, are your parents tall? Yeah, you know, I'm tall with my yeah. family, though. And then, you know, what if you're taking a picture, though? What if you're taking a picture? You ever get this one? Can you move back a little bit? All the time. <laughs> Can you move back a little bit for this picture? And, uh, you know, if you were a girl, um, they'd probably ask you if you'd wear heels. I've known a lot of tall girls before in the past, and they're all like, well, yeah, I got feet. <laughs> of course I can wear heels. Uh, but uh, is your wife tall, too? Because I know they are going to be five eleven. Like, they're all going to be like, is your wife tall? Yeah, she's 5'11 is pretty tall. I'm not even 5'11. Hell, I'm not even, uh, you know, if y'all put y'all two together, y'all probably be, you know, half of y'all would still be taller than me. Uh, That's too much math. (laughs) (laughs) And then people people probably like, um, stand up straight so I can see exactly how tall you are. You're like, dude, I am standing up straight. And by the way, why the hell are you asking me that question? I'm not asking you about your weight, how fat you are. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, why? You know, why? It's, it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because, like, you know, we I, as tall people, you know, I, I don't meet a lot of people that are taller than me. I've, I've been around some people that are taller than me, obviously, um, just in my profession and being in the military, I've, I've met, you know, athletes and all kinds of different people that, that were as tall or taller than me. So on the rare occasion that I do run into someone that is the same height or just tall like me, not even necessarily taller than me, you know, we always just, there's always the inside jokes. It's like, you know, we, we make it a point to mess with each other whenever we see each other. Because you you'd be walking through Walmart and you see a person that's like six seven and you're just like you'll just yell across Walmart, "Dang man, how tall are you?" <laughs> and then they, you know <laughs> they just crack up, you know, because they'll turn around and look and they'll see, "Oh, it's this big seven foot dude," and they just start laughing, you know. And then they'll be like, "You play basketball, you know?" Yeah, ball, ball, hey, ball, that's ball. on my list, man. Yeah, man, and it's like you know people don't understand that, you know. I, I'm so used to it. I, I'm I've literally dealt with it or, since I was fourteen. What a, what about like people that haven't seen you in a while? They always ask, "Hey, you did you get taller?" All the time, man. And all you're like, "All the time." No, yeah. did you shrink? <laughs> all the time. Or or if you have to duck for doorways. Yeah, get that one a lot. I've man. never had to. Derek, have you ever had to duck to go in a doorway that wasn't a dollhouse? <laughs> no. <laughs> what no. you doing in Me dollhouses, either. man? What you Me doing either. in dollhouses? I you never even asked sure. any of these questions. <laughs> what about in the movie theater, man? Anybody ever ask you if you could move? To Look, if he sat in front of me, you would just hear, God damn. <laughs> just like, got this whole movie theater and this fool wants to sit right in front. Damn, Shaq wants to sit in front of me while I'm trying to watch the damn new nah, Avengers and, movie. And you know you were talking about. We go to like games because like we usually go to the Big 12 championship every year. And we always sit like really low at the bottom, but we we never sit the whole game. We're standing. So like I'm standing the whole game. And then people behind me are like, they're always like, man, can you scoot over a little bit? I can't see her. Would you mind sitting down? Or um, then we're just up there, just 
overly hyped the whole game. So, like, I, I do feel for some people when they are sitting behind me in places like that, but, hey, man, you just got to deal with it. Last one, man. You know, um, I, I can imagine you said, you know, you're walking around in the store or whatever. You see somebody that's also tall, but you ever get this? Can you reach that for me? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Little old lady. She's like, oh, I, I found him. I found yeah. him. Come on. And a lot <laughs> of the times, like, one? I'll just grab it for them. Like, if I see somebody struggling to do something and I'm on that aisle, I'll just grab it for them. All right. Next one. Don't Ready? ever grab anything. If you see me struggling, just let me struggle because I'm going to get that, that those shoes off the top. I might not. be climbing like, up there. I may knock six pairs shell. of shoes off of there, but I'm going to get it myself. I'm not going to need an associate. They're not going to have to page anybody to bring a ladder. I'm going to get it whether I have to get a stick or a broom or whatever. I'm getting that sucker down. It's All right, this, this next section of questions, these are, uh, these are for uh, Drew and, and uh, Derek there, okay? We're going to call this segment Factor Fishing. Factor Fishing, all right. Factor Fishing, okay. Since, uh, yeah, I'm going to ask this one to Drew, since he don't know this shit about bass. All right, let's go. <laughs> all right, Drew. Bass, do they have to use teeth to chew their food? To chew their food? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they have little bitty teeth. I, I have caught a bass before, but do they actually use them to chew? I, I'm going to say uh, fishing. I don't think it's a fact. What do you think, Derek? I think he's right, yeah. I mean, they basically inhale the bait, so. They do have teeth. And oh, they, they definitely they, have they, teeth, yeah. They, they use No, they actually have teeth that they use to crush and kill their food before they swallow it. Is it back in the back of their throat? It's back in the back of their throat. They're called pharyngeal teeth, man. Just like oh, a yeah, redfish. It's two red, those two, yeah, red two pads in the back. Yep. back. Yeah. There you go. They use their teeth to chew their food, sir. All right. All right. All right. Ready? I should have known that was a tricky, tricky one. Yeah, that was that was like a wishy-washy question. <laughs> right. I'm on. Yeah, I'm on your side it's, on this. It's one. for science, man. All right. <laughs> I so think there's much the, science in that. Yeah, Bill Nye the science guy over here is asking <laughs> yeah. fishing All questions. fish. All fish. They all lay eggs, right? Is this the question? That's the question. They all lay eggs? Do all fish lay Is a shark considered fact, a fish? Fact or fishing? Uh, shark is... I don't know. Is shark a fish? I think shark's just a shark. But I don't... Yeah, that's, that's fishing, I think. All, I'm gonna, you're right. It's it's fishing, man. It, yeah. Not all fish do lay eggs. They Some, some are... Uh, uh, live bearing. Okay, catfish. Do you have any examples though? Any examples of live bearing fish? Um, I think shark would probably be one. Yeah, shark is a fish, and shark mm. does have live bearing. Um, seahorse is aquatic animal that uh, stingrays. Stingrays too. Stingrays. I've netted a stingray and just had little baby stingrays pop out of it. That's borderline disgusting. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But go ahead. All right, catfish have. Three times the number of taste buds than humans. Fact or fishing? Fact. Mm-hmm. Fact. It's a fact. They have about 30,000. About 30,000 taste buds. I'm minus about 10,000 every time I cook a pot of chili because I burn every bit of taste buds off my tongue before it's done boiling. <laughs> Come on, man. You got to cool it down a little bit. All right. Fish can get a sunburn. Fact or fishing? I don't know, I don't know what say, kind of fish would get a sunburn. 
I can get a sunburn. I can get a sunburn at <laughs> y'all fucking see midnight. His, y'all see this damn? Look at that white ass head of his, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say fishing. I'm gonna say fact, just because the. There's got to be one out there. It is a fact. All fish can get a sunburn. Yeah, man. And uh, they can also get a grease burn in my frying pan. <laughs> they can just die from, from being out of the water and getting burnt up. Last one, man. Fish cannot drown in water. That's fishing. That's fishing, for sure. 100% fishing. It is a fact. I mean, no, no, I'm sorry. I meant fact. Like, it's it's they real. Can drown, they can drown in water, yeah. Yeah, because oh, I'm drowning. I said it was. Yeah, yeah, I thought I he did say cannot. Yeah. All right. So I asked we've been on here for we've been on here for two hours, guys. My eyes are already <laughs> crossing. Fish can drown in water. You're absolutely Bad. correct. Yeah. Um, there's two different Drag ways. Drag one that, on a stringer all day. Yeah. There's two different ways that fish can can drown in water. One is with uh, when the, the there's oxygen depletion in the water. Um, we have we see that a lot times with fish kills along the coast when we have algae blooms and. Um, also, uh, when we're pulling fish behind on a stringer, um, bass guys, y'all probably don't have that issue. don't have that problem, but, uh, you want to keep their mouth closed. If you don't keep their mouth closed, if you maybe throw a stringer just through their bottom lip, their mouth will be open while you're pulling them through the water. And, uh, this is a tip for all you redfish guys out there, trout, flounder, whatever, both lips guys, top to bottom. Okay. Top to bottom. That way their mouth stays shut and they do not drown. All right, man. Into onto our outro. I know that uh, we we've got some some social media, uh, or at least one social media guru here. We need to let everybody know where they can find them. But we also want to know, uh, let everybody know where they can find Derek. Um, yeah, Derek. Where can sponsors. we find you on social media? Um, are there any sponsors that you want to thank that that help you along the way? As far as you know, all these tournaments. Just the the floor is yours to talk about anybody and everybody that you want to talk about. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely want to thank my sponsors: New Canoe Kayaks. They're a huge sponsor of mine. Uh, Motor Guide Trolling Motors, Amped Outdoors, Lithium Batteries. Um, the bomb anchor company, they make great anchors, um, excellent lures and, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's it for my sponsors. Try and keep it simple and, and down to earth, but, uh, they all really helped me along through the year. Um, so, you know, huge thanks to those. Probably the biggest thanks I got to give to my wife for letting me take off for all the time that I do. I'm gone all the time. Um, and she's cool with it. So that's huge. Uh, cause you can't do it and then come home to nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, and, and you know, the, I think the, the whole community, the kayak community, I make a lot of new friends everywhere I go. Um, I get a lot of people reach out to me for kayak advice, fishing advice. And, you know, I, makes me feel like I can make a difference in the, in the kayak community. So thankful to all those people as well. You can find me on uh, Instagram at fish freak DJB and um, on YouTube at 508 outdoors and just Derek Brundle on Facebook, Derek Brundle fishing as well. I was nodding my head emphatically whenever he thanked his wife. Um, I think most of us that are, that are married um, have to thank our significant other for the support that they give us and allow us to to go and do the things that we love to do. Yeah, mine mine supporting supports this show all the time, but hearing about 
10 minutes, she's going to come in here and say, it's about damn time mm-hmm. you got done recording that podcast. I'm ready to go to sleep. <laughs> Y'all need to start these things earlier. That's why you need uh, an office instead of putting this in your, doing this in your bedroom. I'm I'm cheap, dude. What I, I told you, I'm cheap. I don't want to spend money on a house with an office. I yeah, already got I already got enough stuff extra, with my extra couch and my extra chair and my extra. Yeah, bed. now that the kids are gone, I'll be right. I'll be in that situation in another twelve years. That's it, twelve more years, and nobody will be at the house. But Brandon, what about you, man? Anybody you want to thank? Uh, talk about your social media. Where can we find you if we want to get more info? Oh, most definitely. Um, want to give a, a monster shout out to Austin Kayak. Uh, canoe and kayak they are a huge uh, partner of mine have been for a really long time uh nrs is another really big partner of mine um catch company um biospawn lures is, is another really big um partnership of mine that i have that i really enjoy working with make great lures and stuff like that temple fork outfitters rods um absolutely could not do a lot of the stuff that i do without them <laughs> they are an awesome company they make some some in my opinion, probably the best rods on the market. Um, who else? Uh, I have a lot of partners. Um, Don't forget any. They're all listening to the show. I know. I they all I'm, listen to the Palace Playbook, I'm, man. I'm, no, I can't. I'm not forgetting any of them because, I mean, they all work so hard, and, and, I, and I do a lot for them, and I'm really appreciative of them. CBI Off-Road, Method Race Wheels, um, Yakima racks. Uh, what about that sweet grill I see you cooking on all the time? What, oh, what man, is that grill? No, Nomad, man. Nomad grills, man. If you, that is probably one of the dopest products on the market right now. It's a really small company. They just kicked it off probably about five or six months ago. That grill is absolutely amazing. It's a grill smoker combo. So, I mean, it's it's super portable, perfect for the outdoorsman, camper, uh, overlander, fisherman, whatever it may be. It's awesome. If you're a person like me that likes to, to cook over charcoal, then it's absolutely the grill for you. Forget Charbroiler and Traeger and all those other guys out there. You need to get your Nomad. <laughs> um, cook, with, cook with some wood, man. Not, none of that you, pellet man, smoker I'm stuff. I'm telling you, that's where it's at. Um, Blackfire Incorporated, they make um, lithium batteries and lights and all that other kind of stuff that I use. Um, I feel like I'm leaving one out. Oh, Shady Rays, um, polarized sunglasses. Came. How you like those, man? I only work with people that have brands and products that I absolutely 100% use and believe in. You will never see me you uh, talk about or promoting a product of something that I do not personally use and that I have not been using. So um, Shady Rays, I, and I'm being 100% honest, even if this is even before I was even working with them. My wife put me on Shady Rays. You know, I didn't even know anything about this company until she even told me about them. And I started using them and wearing them. And I, I'm a person that's like, you know, Drew that said, you know, he's he's cheap. You know, I'm I'm not spending frugal. I'm frugal. Three hundred dollars on some Costa sunglasses or some other crazy pair. Do you of have at least one sunglasses. pair? Huh? Do you have at what? least one pair of Costa? No. I came from so prior to Shady Rays. I wearing came Panama from, Jacks. No, I came from like wearing like fashion um, brand glasses like Gucci and Versace and things like that. So I have really, really expensive sunglasses that I don't even wear. And whenever it came to Shady Rays, the quality of those shades is phenomenal in comparison to their cost. 
I mean, when you think about it, you're, you can get a pair of polarized sunglasses that have amazing polarization that are uh, amazing quality for $40. No. You can't beat that. And they have all kinds of different styles. Tell us about their warranty. Oh, it's a it's literally a no questions asked lifetime warranty. You break, lose, or they're stolen, they'll replace them for eight bucks. There you go. That's why I've been thinking about them lately. <laughs> yep. And every pair of sunglasses that you buy provides ten meals to feed the hungry. So that's another big part of the reason. Look at that, now. man. Shut everybody up. Like what? Yeah, man. You can't you can't go wrong with their shades, man. I, I absolutely love shady rays. I, I will I would wear I'm not kidding. Like I tell anybody about those glasses. And that's even if I wasn't working with them. And it's just an awesome company. It's a, a great bunch of people that work over there. They make a solid product, man, that, that you will absolutely love. And again, they'll take care of you. If if something is wrong or is not right, they'll fix it and make it right. Their shades are they're inexpensive, but they're they're literally the quality of a two hundred dollar pair of sunglasses, but they cost forty bucks. You can find me pretty much that bass fishing dude pretty much anywhere. I'm on YouTube, Instagram. I don't use Facebook, um, so I mean you could probably find me on there because you have to have a Facebook page to have Instagram. But um, yeah, man, my prominent um, page that I'm usually on is is Instagram. I do post on YouTube on occasion, but I, I try to leverage IGTV more than anything but i will be posting on, more on youtube this year so that's where i'm at i like your this or that post those are my favorite ones oh yeah man people love those um, i like the, i like to choose rathers. yeah yeah I, people, I like the people would you really love those would you rathers um and i play i have a lot more of those on the way as well like i do all of my own graphics and all of my i create all my own content so um yeah man i do a lot of different stuff that you know people find a lot of enjoyment out of so i I like doing those i like those polls and stuff like that i like doing the like i used to do a lot of live streams um and i I am going to get back into doing the lives i used to do a live like every week and i is i did kind of slack on that but i'm about to get back into doing those again so you bring up lives and i know that's exactly what drew was about to ask me about he's about to talk to me or ask me about our youtube channel we're trying to grow our our subs because not because we want to have like a billion subs, but we want to be able to provide live content on YouTube. And the only way YouTube allows you to provide live content is if you have a thousand subs or more. So guys, we're still doing our contest right now. Every 100 subs, we're giving away a bunch of product, okay? And it's coming from ACK, Berkeley, Ugly Stick, um, Abu Garcia, Real Sportswear, uh, pen, not, uh, pen, 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 pen. <laughs> with some lures, lures, lures and pen. <laughs> but uh, every 100 subs, man, and we haven't gotten to that first 100 yet. I don't understand why, because <laughs> we're not in I everybody's face. I don't face. get it either. We're not I in everybody's face so, going so sub, the, sub, 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 sub. So the reason but, why, so YouTube is a really, really hard platform to grow on, and if you're really trying to grow on YouTube, it's all about posting content so the the fastest way to grow on youtube is obviously by putting more content out there that's the way the algorithm on youtube works so in the instance of you guys having a podcast you're obviously not doing a podcast every single day but um for the average person that is posting on youtube you need to be posting one to two videos a day on youtube basically for the first like 30 days to six months one to two videos a day and you'll hit that you'll hit that goal in relatively no time at all i whenever i first started my youtube channel i was basically posting a video every two days and 
I hit my 1,000 subscribers pretty quick. But here's I'm, the thing, I'm not man. made for this world, man. And neither I'm am I. And that's why I, that's why I said world. I didn't want to be a YouTuber because I don't, I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the time to put out a video a day every single day for I've, a month. I've got a 1995 Bronco out in my driveway, <laughs> and and I, I'd rather go out there and just – I'd rather lick it than make yeah. videos all day long. Yeah, and that's my my whole my whole motto is quality over quantity. Like I've never been a person that's all about dumping a bunch of redundant content out there into the universe. That's why, like for this year, my goal is to put out one video a month, but one quality video a month of just solid content. You know, yeah, I I do want to start YouTubing, and I, I've got an idea for YouTubing. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to say anything about it, but it's something that's missing from YouTube. Um, it is a niche. It's not going to get a shitload of followers. That's not what I'm after. But what I want to do is put information out there that's not available that I was looking for. I couldn't find it. So yep. I'm like, okay, if I can't find it, then I better make it so that, you know, I can go ahead and at least provide it to other people. Yep. And if you did a video like that once a week, your, your page will pop. But here, here's the thing that I don't understand. And I'm not saying this to brag or anything. We have thousands of listeners who download the podcast every month thousands we have 53 people who subscribe to our youtube channel well the reason why is because of, of, of convenience so when you think about it you're able to listen to a podcast pretty much anywhere you can pull this up on on apple on your ipod and listen to it while you're driving down the street you can say hey siri yeah play, play xyz yeah versus you having to go and sit on YouTube and trying to find this this content for somebody to watch. So a lot of people would really prefer to listen to it versus the visual aspect of it. And that's just a, a given, you know, when it comes to podcasting, people are more in, in tune to listening to something versus watching it. This While so, so obviously crazy. there's a, a certain aspect of watching the podcast that you get is obviously the visual of the the, the antics that may be happening or, or the mannerisms of people. You get to physically see the emotion that's happening during the podcast versus just listening this, to it. This world but, is full of so many different types of people. Somebody was telling me the other day, the reason why I like this social media platform over that one is because pictures pop up on the top versus at the bottom. Are you, I'm like, are you serious? And they, they're like, yeah, look, look. And they showed it to me and I was like, damn, you're yeah. actually kind of right yeah. <laughs> because I'm seeing the picture first and then reading the content. Whereas like Facebook, I've got to read all the content first before I get down to the picture. Yeah. But that's also the thing with the, that's why whenever I talk about like the growth of social media as a whole, like as a person that's trying to grow their social media is diversifying the content that you put out there while you guys have a podcast, you know, if you're going to put out videos, use the opportunity to make videos about something that is going to draw an audience to watch versus just you talking about something like a podcast because people how, how to videos yeah exactly know, stuff, like, stuff that we may have mentioned videos. in the show yeah yep you can recap so, on certain things and provide a visual for those things versus just us sitting here in this group setting with a four by four screen talking to each other you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's yeah. going to draw in your audience and people are going to want to go check that out yeah well they'd really want to check out earlier in the show if we post this one up on um YouTube, whenever you were talking about the catfish and he was holding it up here and he was over here and yeah. you were all over the screen, but I diverse guys, you mean we've been going, same thing. 
I'm diverse. No, I'm diversing to something else. I, that means I, I'm, yeah, I'm diversing. Boy, you is so Conroe, it's not even funny. Anywho, I, I'm going to cut that out because I edit this thing, so that's that can be cut out. Um, guys, we really Freaking appreciate fascist. you joining. <laughs> we really appreciate you guys joining us. Derek, um, good luck at, at the 10, man. We, we hope to see you. We hope to ass. see you on the podium. Go kick some ass for the bro staff. And, and you know, you have uh, – you've got the Paddler's playbook behind you for sure. Brandon, we're definitely going to be seeing more of you. You know, we have a big relationship with ACK. You are on the ACK fishing team this year. Um, I'm sure we're going to see you maybe out at some of the Cats tournaments and different ACK functions. But, man, really maybe appreciate you coming on the show. Up. Most definitely. Yeah, I do plan on trying to make that this year. I, I saw that y'all did the one last year. I wish I could have got down there for that, I and mean, I couldn't time it. I don't know how it turned out. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> bring, that, bring that Nomad Grill, man. Bring oh, the absolutely. Nomad Grill. It, it goes and you, you will me. make lots of friends. Lots it of friends. It goes everywhere with me. But, um, yeah, man, hey, I really appreciate y'all having me on, man. This is a blast. And, um, yeah, man, I look forward to, you know, getting out and meeting some of you guys here in the really near future. We'll sounds do, good. Sounds good. Chris, you got anything else? No, nah, man. Uh, we've been on here for two and a half hours, and we still have extra content that you and I have to record. So let's get out of here. Let's get these guys out of here. Guys, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thank you. See ya. Thanks, man. Peace. <laughs>